Welcome to episode 19 of the Hike or Die Outdoor Adventure Podcast. As always, I'm joined by my good mate, Craig. And this episode, we have a very special guest. His name is Tom Langhorn, and he's all the way from Scotland, and he runs around the Scottish Highlands in nothing more than a kilt and a few other bits and pieces, of course. Craig, would you still hike with me if I just wandered around in a kilt? <laughs> Not sure. Yeah, of course I would, mate. Of course oh, I would. You, yeah, you just scraped in with the right <laughs> answer there, mate. Thank you very much. Please play the music. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode, guys. I'm going to jump straight into thanking our podcast sponsors, Topo Maps Plus. Go deeper into the backcountry with this topographical map app that allows you to track your location even without cell phone coverage. Rios floating polarized sunglasses with 100% UV protection for the love of water. Bluey Merino, where our story ends, yours is just beginning. Australian Superfine Merino Wool Bottom, Mid and Top Layer Garments. Caribbee, one of Australia's most well-known and leading backpack, travel and outdoor brands and suppliers of our personal dry bags, waterproof day packs and expedition bags. This episode is also sponsored by TripOutside.com. Gear up for your adventure. Craig, let me give you a scenario, mate. Mm Mm-hmm. You're living or traveling in North America. You're trying to organize a couple of adventures across the country. You want to do some mountain biking here and some kayaking there. The problem is you'd literally be calling individual shops and outfitters and checking availability and everything else that goes with that. Then when you finally get there to these shops, you're probably going to end up filling out a whole bunch of forms and standing around while you're waiting for your gear. Yeah. Does any of that sound like fun so far? (laughs) No, mate, not at all. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to get pretty frustrating pretty quick, but that's the way it's always kind of been. This is where tripoutside.com kind of comes into its own. It allows you to plan and book all of your outdoor adventures all on the one website. So discover top outdoor destinations, compare prices at local shops, and then book the gear and adventures you need online quickly and easily. They've got over 60 top outdoor adventure destinations across North America, and they're adding more every day. The site features shops that rent bikes, kayaks, stand-up paddleboards, canoes, skis, snowboards, rafts, surfboards, camping gear, and more. That all sounds pretty cool so far, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. Um, Let me give you a couple of examples of some of the adventures and gear. You could literally jump on tripoutside.com and book right now. Uh, mountain biking, the Moab Red Rock. I don't even know where that is, but it sounds pretty wicked. Backcountry canoeing in the Boundary Waters in northern Minnesota. Again, sign me up. And uh, surfing Oahu's famous waves. Mm. So I just want to say thanks to Trip Outside for being a sponsor of this particular episode. Visit tripoutside.com for a list of everything they have to offer. And um, get some inspiration for your next adventure by following them on Instagram, which is at trip.outside. All right. 
Craig, how you doing, mate? Should we get into this? Yeah, let's get into it, man. I'm doing fine, thanks. What's Been what's new, mate? Pretty busy, actually. Yeah, busy, busy, busy. Um, you've been? Have you got out anywhere? It's, yeah, look, it's been a while, and I'm not going to try and shy away from that. But has, it has been a while. Has, has yes. Uh, Craig and I have had um, significant things in our personal lives to um, negotiate uh, of late, and that's kind of just been uh, a real coincidence that it's impacted on us and our ability to get this next episode out. So we actually interviewed Tom um, a couple of weeks ago now, maybe uh, I couldn't put a number on it, two, three weeks ago now, and we've just been waiting for this opportunity to get together and uh, record this intro for you guys. So sorry, mm. mate, didn't mean to interrupt. But No, it's going to be good to go get nuts. this one out. I think everyone will love the interview. Yeah, it was awesome. absolute cracker. Um, mate, I nailed a family holiday, a family camping holiday to uh, Stradbroke Island, which is an awesome place to go with the kids. So Yeah, anyone who can say they nailed a family camping holiday is yeah, doing something right. That's <laughs> such a good feeling, actually. Um, yeah, with a bit of trepidation leading into it, we decided to uh, go with the um, neighbours down the road here. They've got kids that play with our kids, and we we tagged along. And, I've, yeah, we had – the kids were just worn out by the end of the day. They had had so much Best fun. Best kind of kids. Yeah, best kind of kids are sleeping <laughs> kids. So we managed that. And um, yeah, we, we, you know, really, really did a good job with the tenting situation. So yeah, I'm pretty happy with how that went. Was that uh, four-wheel drive access or was that, did you just stay in a regular campground or on the beach? Regular campground this time. So yep. the, yeah, the, we took the four-wheel drives, but we were only there for four days. We didn't have to we could just stroll to the beach from where we were so yeah uh, so. yeah pre-kids i was so anti uh that sort of holiday sorry i'm just playing with my headphones here uh but once you realize that you kind of become a bit selfless and realize that it the holiday is more about the kids and i think once you reach that point uh, you actually have a very good time. The um, yeah, all of a sudden the the amenities and the the playground and all exactly. That. Does it have a <laughs> hot shower? <laughs> Does yeah? Is it close to um, to a uh, some kind of convenience store yeah. where you can stock up on, on yeah. stuff that they break or forget? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just made sense. It went it went really really well. So, and uh, mate, I wanted to tell you, I went on my first trail run. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is massive news yeah. for anybody listening. <laughs> New listeners, you won't understand that I, the magnitude of this. You need to go back and listen. <laughs> I know this isn't a running podcast, but um, I think we've had chats about, you know, where we've been going with our running. And yeah. you have, yeah, been doing lots of running on, on trails. And I thought I'd give it a go. It's a lot harder. It's, oh really? Yeah. It's I mean, I, I, yeah. It's interesting hearing someone else who has actually done a clean. You know, I I was used to run on the road, and then uh, there was a big gap between when I used to run on the road a couple of years to when I started running again, 
And when I started running again, I only ran on the trail. Mm. So I don't, I didn't really have, put it this way, I didn't have one week where I'd been running for six months on the road and then I just went on the trail. So I don't have that comparison anymore. Mm. Yeah, I went, yeah, I, the elevation was more than I'm used to. The, um, the GPS stuffed up because of the location as well. So there's, oh, yeah. there's always these little issues I hadn't thought of. And then yeah, I was running down this hill and I think I kicked this rock the size of my fist into my right ankle. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't fall over. I kind of hurt and then I kept running and um, by the time I got back to the car, there was like blood coming through my sock and yeah. And I just went, okay, this is next level from what I'm used yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I've nearly <laughs> fallen over um, once, like proper fall over uh, and... It wouldn't have been pretty, but I just, just managed to keep my legs under me. Um, yeah, so I'm back to running on the bike trail near the creek down the back here. Well, you didn't, you didn't get inspired or <sighs> you didn't get, like, didn't it fill you with uh, adventure? Well, look, I've got, a, I've got a question for you that okay. if you don't, didn't see it this way or didn't um, see this as an issue, and maybe some of our listeners think this ain't an issue either, but I was struggling with... Where is it appropriate or where is it not appropriate to trail run? And the reason I asked that is I initially saw myself running, you know, 5K out to Green Falls, which is a beautiful rainforest trail up the back here that, you know, but it's it's fairly popular. And then I saw myself having to negotiate other other walkers and I started thinking, I don't want to be that guy who's running full t- pelt through that sort of environment. I don't think you'd be that guy running that fast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, running slowly. <laughs> Puffing. <laughs> Vomiting uh, on the trail. Like, oh, who's this guy? Another drunk. <laughs> I, so, okay. Okay. So, uh, uh, sorry. You have going. I made that clear that I yeah, was yeah. wondering whether... Because right. uh, I don't see a lot of people doing that when I'm out walking. Yeah a bushwalk. So I thought perhaps I didn't feel comfortable. It's a good question. Um, I think there's two ways of answering it. One is, look, um, you're allowed to trail run wherever you want, right? Yeah. Because it's a trail and you move at whatever pace you're comfortable. I think most people would agree on that. But I really like that extra level of um, respect for you know, fellow hikers, fellow runners, walkers, whatever. So hmm. um, I, I like that. And what I'd say about that is when I've when I've hiked on trails that are, you know, quite narrow where basically you're only really, like say you can't walk side by side, hmm. then I think that you'd have to pick your time of day or that sort yeah, of thing. That's... And there's probably a... You've probably got a valid point there, and it's really going to mess with your flow anyway. Yeah, like you're going to be irritated. Um, the track I run on most regularly is um, it's as wide. It's wider than a car. Yeah, and if there's people walking, and there has been walking, there's been people on their horses, and I've run past them. Um, you know, obviously faster than a horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At full pelt, you know, just overtaking <laughs> these two horses. And, hey, how you going? 
for a nice day for it. <laughs> <laughs> Flicked a carrot to the horses and off again. That might have been awkward too. Um, yeah, it's, uh, no, I was going the other way. That's the only way I passed it. <laughs> and because it, the trail is so wide... It's it's absolutely fine and yeah. Uh, then the other trail I do a lot, um, I've mentioned it a bunch of times is is the dungeon like the, and it's all four wheel drive tracks so it's very and you won't even see a person there. You're more likely to run into a car yeah and uh, yeah obviously you just get off the track or whatever. But yeah, that's why I put a lot of thought into it initially because I. Ended up coming up with a bike, uh, like a mountain biking trail. They do, yeah, there was horse shit everywhere because I think it's the same sort of thing where horse, uh, people ride their horses around. And yep. So, and it was uh, probably wide enough for a vehicle most of the time. Are you sure it was horse shit? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Okay. I, think, I, I, I tested right. it. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that tastes like horse shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Anyway, I was just getting to the fact that initially I realized, hang on, no, I can't just go to, you know, like some of the, the border tra- tracks or whatever yeah. to do it because I would feel a little bit uncomfortable with that, I reckon. Yeah, yeah no, it's a fair call. So as an example, uh, did you just mention the border track? Is that what you're yeah, referring to? Yeah, and I know yeah, they do see, organized runs there. But I would run and I have run. Uh, on the border track, I've done one tra- a 5k trail run there by myself, and I only passed uh, it was kind of late afternoon. And, and I consider that an acceptable place to run because you the people are so spread out, you're hardly going to run into them. You might run into them in that very first bit before you turn off to that mm-hmm. waterfall circuit, but um. Really, you, I only passed uh, two people on the way out and it was the same two people I passed on the way back. And I tried to kind of make a bit of noise coming up to them um, just so they didn't get spooked or step to the left or something like straight into me. Because yeah. um, I'm going at quite a clip and if you run into someone, man, you knock them for six. But then I was thinking of the other place we hiked at Lamington just because it's a reference we both know. You know, the, uh, did we hike, we hiked the long way down to that um, waterfall where we sat and ate dinner and did that time lapse. Remember that? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So remember how wide that trail was in parts? Yeah. Yeah, in parts it was, you and I could, well, probably three people could walk side by side and have a conversation while they're walking. Yeah. And I think that's quite acceptable to, to, to you know to scoot yeah. past someone and and it, it all depends on who it is you're coming up behind as well like if it's a um you know 60 year old lady and and a grandkid or something you know maybe just slow up to a fast walk and hmm. say hi and move move around them safely and then take off again but I, I think you'd have to be pretty um negative sort of dude to get upset about someone yeah I haven't encountered a lot of trail runners while I'm out just, you know, bushwalking. No, nor have I. And that's why I. I just wondered if if trail runners do have that little thought of where um, they like to go and where they shouldn't probably run or I don't know. Well, I think a lot of trail runners like to do the longer distance stuff so they get irritated if they had to stop slow down all the time and they'd get irritated if it was a super tight course. Yeah. 
Uh, whereas I loved running that border trail because it was so twisty and there's so many routes across the trail and rocks and you had to duck here and yeah. go around. I thought it was like one of the best trail runs I've ever done. Yeah, it would be great. That's yeah. what that's where I see the the value in some of those trails. But then Yeah, imagine running out to um Echo Point and yeah. sitting down there for getting your breath back, turning around and going home. Yeah, it's just the encountering people where I started to to second guess that that choice of location. But yeah, yeah no, it's a pretty good Pretty good question, right? But you know, as I say, mate, it was my first one, and it was just a, um, just a gravel, uh, sort of a, a rocky track, and it was it was tough because there was <laughs> a lot of elevation. Yeah. I was, oh, it was it was a grind, but um, yeah, it was good. I I might go out there again. I reckon. Yeah, well, you've got to get yourself sorted for coming out with me. Mate, I haven't committed to anything. <laughs> you said yes once. So. Did I? Yeah, you did say yes. That's my memory again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what do you mean? I actually to? put that, um, actually finished that. It's funny you mentioned it because I didn't even have it written down. I finished my trail run video and put it on YouTube. Uh, all I got to do is, is just, um, like it's not live yet. Mm, yeah. As in, I haven't. It's sitting up there, but I've got it hidden. All I got to do is just make it live. But you've just reminded me, so I I'm going to make a commitment to get that out for um for the launch of this episode. So if you're listening to this now, and I've done my homework, uh, you should be able to go on the show notes and find um it'll be embedded in there. Or jump onto our Facebook, mm-hmm. probably be on there, YouTube, whatever. But uh, yeah, that's the one I've talked about a couple of times. That was my, actually, that was my birthday run. So that was quite some months ago now. Oh, yeah. Um, but I filmed it all just out. Of, I just thought someone might get some interest out of it. Uh, but what it does show you is when you hit that part called the dungeon, it does get pretty freaky pretty quickly. Oh, cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. And uh, yeah, I only filmed it on a GoPro, but it came up all right. Awesome. Uh, I ducked out to that cabin again. Oh yeah, yep. As yep. um as you would know, had a nice time out there wandering around. Um, I did a solo overnighter while I was out there. So, not only did I drive, you know, five hours into the middle of nowhere, but then I hiked another few hours, um, beyond that cabin and stayed out the night. I did a fair bit of filming while I was out there. Oh, you've got something new. Are you going to talk about that in the gear or? I do. Yeah, I will mention it. So um, how was that? Well, I haven't used that. What, what We're talking Craig's about the hammock, to? aren't we? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used the hammock. Sorry, man. No. Sorry, I, man. I was just going to say. I, I that... thought you were talking about the new inflatable mattress. Oh, that's coming. Yeah, no, I was yep. talking about the hammock because I think that was a big deal for you getting out there that to try it, wasn't it? Uh, that was my... First time? Second. Second. Oh, okay. Second time. Because I took it out uh, for two nights um, at uh, Lamington as well. I haven't seen it, so I can't wait. We'll yeah, to go yeah, sometime. yeah. Because yeah. it's quite different to mine, isn't it? It is very different. And I'm just kind of getting it, um, just kind of getting it wired 
if you know what I mean. Sierra. Um, Sierra Madre. Sierra Madre. The Ninox um, flat lay hammock. So I'm just getting it wired at the moment. Um, yeah, it's pretty easy to put up and pull down. It's just in the tensioning. I'm so used to having a different style where you just crank that ridge line. But this is quite the opposite. You actually have to loosen it off to get some slack in the material. So mm. um, I think I've almost got it right. Uh, I won't jump to the to the new mattress. I'll, I'll leave that until after this. Yeah, that sounds cool. But um, yeah, it, it kind of plays into that whole setup that I've got now. Did you have a good time out there anyway, that one night, man? I don't I, think you even it told was me I went. Very, very, very cool. Uh, I moved at a very slow pace, deliberately. Mm. I left in the late afternoon, so sort of about 3 p.m. Um, quite deliberately. I wasn't running late. I That's got, a bit late, though. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'd planned that I wanted to basically... It's not like I wanted to hike the whole day to get to a destination because I was planning on heading home the next day so mm. not just heading back to the cabin but then actually packing up and driving five hours home so i didn't want to have a whole day hike um ahead of me the following day so all my aim was to do a couple of solid hours uh visit a little spot that i already know on that property and then go to a completely new ridge that uh, none of us have ever been to and just check it out and uh, it was extremely peaceful and absolutely gorgeous weather oh, yeah, I saw right. um, some echidnas out there oh, right. I got some really good footage of oh, this right. cute little guy um, I yeah chilled out next to the river for a bit and then climbed this ridge set myself up, got a little fire going. And it's funny because, and we actually talk about that on the podcast with the guest tonight, uh, watching his um, YouTube videos, which is how I first discovered him, he kind of inspired me to get out there and, you know, take some slightly different food. So I didn't actually go out there with, uh, a freeze-dried meal. Uh, I didn't go out there with anything that you and I normally take. Okay. Yeah, I actually took um, three. I took some sausages out there. Yeah. yeah. In a Ziploc bag that I had um, raw sausages that I had not cooked the night before. Right. I took. Um, what else did I take? I took a sweet potato, a couple of normal potatoes. I took a, a half of a pretty big capsicum. I took a carrot out there. Um, I think it's about all I can remember taking. Then I took some aluminium foil in my pack. And yeah, basically I lit a little fire and threw all of this stuff on. By then it was it was pitch black because I left so late. And I really just sat around this fire pulling the food out of the um, alfoil aluminium foil and um just just literally eating it with my fingers sitting there looking at the stars in front of this fire and it was um yeah it was real simple life stuff real special though 
Yeah, that's a bit different. So you real different. That. Yeah. I mean, for those of you who don't um, know or understand, uh, you know, where we normally hike in Australia is, uh, you know, public land, so national parks, and you're not allowed to light fires uh, in national parks. You can have a stove by all means, but not actually an open fire. So we always abide by those rules because they're there for a reason. But I was on private property and uh, it was just a real pleasure to, to be able to take food out there, cook it and sit there and eat it. Um, mm, I think we're, I think yeah. I'm definitely going to spend a bit more time um sort of preparing different food when we go away and from now on hey yeah it's it's something that's been i mean we didn't we um talk about it in our last um was it the last episode i'm just looking back on the notes here sure it was the last episode yeah yeah it was the last episode i was talking about that recipe i found for that nut bread and the um then yeah. we talked about bannock bread and pemmican as well uh yeah in episode was that episode 18 yeah yeah it definitely got me thinking about what you can do you know logistically and what's sort of going to last out there and and how are you going to prepare it yeah um i could imagine how how much of a difference it makes than just the usual you know dehydrated meals yeah it's definitely something special next did, level yeah. did i tell you about i've actually filmed this as well i need to knock it up it's just a a two-minute video or something yeah, cool. where I took uh, a really small kind of camping fry pan, which I put on top of my usual stove, and I cooked... Um, well, first of all, I threw a whole bunch of cashews in the pan with some coconut oil and salt. Right. And I roasted yep. them up, and then I put them aside. And then I had a big slab of speck. Do you know what speck is? It's like... Kind of like bacon before you cut it into slices. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it's just a big chunk of meat. Yeah, and right. So I cut that up into big thick slices and I and I fried that off in coconut oil as well. And then I had um, and I had a, an avocado, um, you know, those cool cases that are actually the shape of the fruit or vegetable? Yeah, right. Yeah, well, I had an avocado-shaped <laughs> hard case, basically. <laughs> so I had this avocado totally safe in uh, in my pack. And I I cut it, um, you know, took seed out, and then I cut really thick slices, almost quarters, and I put that in really hot coconut oil and actually um, kind of caramelized the sides of the avocado. And then I just ate that all together, and it was, uh, you know, it would have been a really interesting and, delicious feed if i was at home yeah right but it's almost like such a juxtaposition when you're out there to have this well at least it is for us to have this high quality food in a in a more natural form that it kind of blows your mind a bit yeah i bet it's worth that little bit it extra smells weight better yeah it tastes better yeah. that a little bit extra like perhaps cooking gear and stuff but it'd be worth it eh? yeah we put so much emphasis on the journey and the destination when yep. we hike. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, that's not misplaced focus. That's great. Yeah. Uh, but we don't really uh, spend much time preparing anything that's of huge enjoyment. Mm. Uh, I, I apart just, from breakfast, I guess. 
yeah, things like that. I just I just look at how probably the first five years I wanted to just cut the weight out of every single thing that we were taking with us uh-huh. at the expense of 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 whatever luxury came enjoyment, whatever enjoyment you know um, would go along with that. So I think. A perfect example is bedding and how bedding, we, yeah. we would have three-quarter mattresses because yep. that was seen to be a little bit lighter and um, yep. easier to put together and stuff. 100%. No, I'm not doing that anymore. I, I don't know. I've toyed with this uh, a lot over, say, the last two years or so, from a lot over the last year as well, particularly when I did switch from a three-quarter mat back to a full length. And I thought... Is it, am I just getting old and hmm. what, what is making me uncomfortable? And I thought, you know what, I don't, I think it's just this, um, a whole bunch of stuff mixed in together that when you're outdoors and, and you're just getting into hiking, you think, oh yeah, I had a crap sleep because hmm. all sleeping's crap yeah. in the outdoors. That's so what it's supposed to be like. That's what it's meant to be like. And it never gets any better than this. So. All good because you saved um, 200 grams, so all good. But what happens is once you discover a sleeping system that isn't crap, all of a sudden your whole perspective changes and you think, well, hang on a second. What if I invested a bit of time in researching this and <laughs> trying new things? And, you know, that would, one of those things was me moving to a different brand of hammock Uh and you know a significant one for us was moving to the um, to the Zenbivi yeah. sleeping system. The reason I call it a sleeping system uh, is because it's not just a sleeping bag. It's it's more like a, a quilt that zips around your legs, but it also has a pocket to put this quite an amazing. Would you agree, Craig? Pillow. In the oh, top, yeah. yep. it's, a, it's a very good pillow, and then it actually ties to or clips around your inflatable mattress, so you don't get that spinning kind of problem in the night that you do when you're in a sleeping bag. So it basically, it contradicts everything you think you know. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that that's what kind of turned me around to thinking, okay, everything doesn't have to be. You actually can get a good sleep out there. And guess what? If you get a good sleep, you kick ass the next day. Totally. Yeah, yeah. You're not sitting around there grumpy at breakfast time and you're not tired the next afternoon. I don't know. It's, mm. I've just I'm just starting to think that we had it a little bit wrong at the start, thinking that it, it had to be rough and ready and it had to be uncomfortable or you're doing something wrong. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm get, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down, <laughs> brother. And yeah, uh, but cooking, I think, is where I'm going to start to move towards. Just a little bit more effort in um, preparation. Yep. To take out some some substantial meals that, yeah, will weigh a bit more, but I think it'll be worth it. Yeah, I, I totally think it's worth it, and even if it's just that first night, like there's been times where I've taken out. Um, Actually, was that a hike with you? I took out a steak. Was that with you at um, I think our so. secret spot? I think it was. Um, yeah. So basically, I took a frozen steak in my pack. Yeah, yeah. And by yeah, the time we yeah. got 
done and dusted and set up everything right. and got it was thawed perfectly to room temperature and yeah so i just cooked up this steak and um you know much to the disappointment of craig he had to smell this um steak cooking <laughs> But I've, things like I've that, wiped yeah. It from my memory, mate. I, yeah, that's I why you can't remember. I've repressed it. that. That was horrible. After the therapy, <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about it anymore. <laughs> so yeah, that that was. Uh, and it's it's only the first night, but who cares? Like if you can live big on that first night, then have your dehydrated stuff the next night. Yeah, totally. I know it's all worth investigating, and you know if there's anything that I've learned from hiking and all the outdoor stuff we do, canoeing, whatever is. You absolutely never stop learning. Like there's never, ever the perfect pack or the perfect tent or the perfect anything. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you're continually looking and exploring those boundaries, you're eventually going to get something pretty damn close that works for you. Yeah, nice. The ultimate goal. Yeah, cool. What else been going on? Mate, I have... Uh, I only have one piece of news this week. Okay. Tell us the news. So I'm just going straight to good news. How do you like them apples, mate? Yeah, sweet. Yeah, because you get a bit... You're always bringing me down, mate. I know, I know. And, and and what I was planning to do was if I had other articles this week, I was going to finish on the high like I did last episode and just okay. everyone would be so happy. But I don't even have to go to the lows this time, mate. Right. Uh, how's this for a title of an article? Conservation group to buy world's largest privately owned giant sequoia forest for $15 million. Whoa. That's pretty good, eh? Yeah, look at that. Yeah, yeah, so that's a sequoia tree. Massive tree. Yeah, what, mate. snowfield, is it? Like it's... Well, I mean, at some times during the year, yeah, It's sure. sometimes, probably in the cold part um, of the year, yeah. When it's snowing, there's definitely snow there. Right. That I can guarantee. <laughs> that looks amazing. Uh, that's it without snow. Oh, yeah. Now, I've not been to this exact um, place, but I have been to I have been to the US and I've hiked around a, a sequoia um, forest, like a national park thing. These things are huge, man. Like, one of them's... Um, I've been to has this massive, um, it got burnt out through the middle and you can drive a car through it. Oh, man. But it's still perfectly living uh, because it's just got so many roots in the ground. Really? Oh, these things are amazing. There's a yes. photo of me trying to hug one and it's, you'd need about another, and I, it was only a small one, but you would have needed another four of me to join hands to get around it. Yeah, like that one on that. On that screen there. Yeah, yeah, close to that, yeah. That's huge. Absolutely beautiful trees. And what I, you know, what blows your mind about these is, um, I'll give you some stats here. So the organization was called um, Save the Redwoods League. Yeah, and they signed a deal to purchase the world's largest privately owned giant sequoia forest in California's southern Sierra Nevada. Massive trees that saw 250 foot. That is 76 meters, dude. Yeah, yep. Think about how far 100 meters is. And three quarters of that going straight up. Yep. <laughs> uh, they span um, 
they can span up to 80 foot around, which is 24 meters around the trunks and live for more than 2,000 years. Really? Yeah, yeah. So this particular 530 acres, which is 214 hectare property, um, is only 10 miles from the actual Sequoia National Park, where they are already protected. And it's got another 483 huge trees uh, that are all larger than six feet in diameter, which is so cool. Absolutely. So is it saying that they've kind of saved them from logging or was it... Well, at some point, you know, the the danger is... um, that even though they're privately owned and these people have, I mean, I'm scrolling through photos here and yeah. the, the area is immaculate. So they haven't gone and destroyed the area and just left the trees. Like the, this is prime, beautiful, beautiful land, untouched land with uh, these gorgeous untouched sequoias. So the, the point I was going to make was while it's... You know, this the person whoever owns it now has been a fantastic custodian and kept them all healthy and done nothing wrong. The danger is they move on. So something happens to them. They get old and you know move move into state and they have to sell this land and they sell it to any old person and then it's the next person that does does the wrong thing or. Yeah, obviously yeah. they don't think it's the wrong thing, but you know what I mean. That's the danger: is someone buys it and goes, "Oh, great! Um, all of this area, we could put a massive um, resort here." Sure. <laughs> or uh, I just want to level the whole lot because I don't. I just want the views. I'm going to level all these trees and yeah, right. make a log cabin out of it. You know, there's that. There's just that. No, that's good. Uh, that danger. So that this is that really going to secure that. Good news, mate. That is good yeah, news. Yeah, I know it's awesome, and uh, I will put a link to this article as always. We don't have we notes. don't have forests like that in Australia, eh? We don't have. Well, I mean, definitely in Tasmania, not that they've type got... of trees for sure. But if you go into, I was doing a bit of research because I took my nephew on his first ever hike. Um, well, first ever kind of. He's done some school hikes, but I took him on his first ever proper like hike. I took him into um, Lamington National Park. Yeah, yeah. And we did, uh, we actually did the Albert Creek Circuit, which you and I never actually got to do when we were there. Okay. Um, so we did that and it was really cool. And we stayed at Echo Point the first night and we stayed at... Um, uh, Bathonga Bell, our <laughs> old favourite place. Bathonga how, Bell, the second night. And how were the leeches at Echo Point? <laughs> zero, man. Zero. Absolutely zero. I think wow. it's because it was after that. Um, All right. The drought and the fire ban and everything. Oh yeah. Because the so bushfires, so, so it was yeah. so dry. Might be a different story right now, but uh, anyway, um, when we were wandering around, you know, because he's uh, you know kind of new to it all, we'd stop and read some of those signs. And they were saying that some of those, um, uh, those big, you know, those big, um, what are they down there? Are they beech trees? No, they're not mm. beech trees. I can't remember what they are. 
um, someone listening to this podcast is going to be screaming at the at the radio or whatever. I think on. Beach Trees rings a bell. They're going to be going, you idiot, they're this. Uh, anyway, regardless of what they are, we're reading these signs and these information stuff at the uh, ranger's hut as well and saying that they're in the vicinity of sort of, um, you know, 300 to 450 years old. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's, I mean, that's crazy old. Yeah, sure. It, uh, it doesn't equate to 2,000 years, but but they're still standing, so I don't know how much longer they've got. Um, also, they're in a different environment. Like, you look how dry these guys are. They're not having to deal with that. Um, like, a lot of the rainforest trees end up kind of rotting out eventually because they're covered in moss. Yeah, yeah. But these are just good, strong, dry timber. So yeah. you'd think they would last longer. Yeah, they're in some sort of open areas yeah, there. Yeah, open forest. Which is kind of like our gum trees, but they're not like that size. Hey? <laughs> That's <laughs> incredible. No, and I mean, to be honest, mate, like these these photos are obviously from that property um, and that's a big shot there of that that person looking at it. But I, I could easily show you some um, pictures of the same sequoia, same type of trees, the sequoias, that are mind-blowing. Yeah, sure. As round as this house. Right. And you just absolutely... They've got cool names too. Like I'm sure one's called... And again, people are going to be yelling at the computer going... Um, that's that's goddamn wrong, Tom. You don't know what you're talking about. But I think one's called um because that's how all, all our listeners speak. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> whoops, just lost some listeners. Yeah. Um, no, there's one called Old General or something. Like they have pretty cool. They give them yeah, names no, that... like particular ones that are absolute rock stars. They kind of um, give them a name. That's pretty sweet. I'm, I'm just Googling um, now because I don't want to completely make a fool of myself. Um, oh, no, I can't find anything straight off the... General Sherman. Here he is. Yes. I kind of got something half right. General Sherman. That's great. That's the name of the tree. Yeah, yeah. General Sherman is a giant. This, this. Oh, he's got his own page here. Look oh at no, this. this dude's world famous. I'm telling you, my dad's got a photo in front of this. Oh right. Um, General Sherman is a giant sequoia tree located in the giant forest of Sequoia National Park. Um, by volume, it is the largest known living single stem tree on Earth. Um, Gee whiz. Let me let me see if there's any more stats on height or anything like that. Yeah, it's all under the. Uh, oh, is it here? It's here. Oh, oh 83 meters, 83.8, almost That's... 84 <laughs> meters high, 275 foot uh, diameter, 25 foot. Now. That's Just in only, case you didn't hear me correctly, that's not circumference. That is diameter, diameter one. from one side to the other. That's 7. So big. seven. I know, right? Um, that's so big. Look, there's a dude. 
It's an absolute beast. <laughs> That's crazy. Put stuff. it this way, I remember um when I was walking through and I can't actually remember which Sequoia Park it was. When I walked through, there was a branch coming off the side of one of these sequoias. Yeah. And I looked up at it and thought, that branch is the is the diameter of a massive tree. Yeah, right. Sticking out the side. So you reckon these are all over the states or there's just a certain part of California? Oh, or I'd, be, I'd be um, completely making it up. I think that... I'm keen to go. I want to go and see that. They are widespread, but there's... There seems to be this um, area where they're very, very, very prolific. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. You got to see them. Like, I think that um, you know, I I went there before I was right into hiking. If I went back there now, I could sit and look at these things all day. Yeah. A different appreciation for them. Yeah cool. yeah, cool stuff. Cool stuff. So yeah, happy story for you. Yeah, right. I've only got a tiny bit of local news. Oh, wow. Did you um, – it's just one of these ones that we always um, kind of bring up and and then we go, geez, lucky that wasn't us. You know what I mean? Lucky it wasn't us. Obviously, yeah, somebody's done something <laughs> silly. silly. Cabbage Tree Creek, which is just out the back here. Okay. Guy um, crawls for two days to safety. Did you hear about it? <laughs> Six weeks ago, I think it was, or four the, weeks ago. Um, I'm sorry for laughing. <laughs> well, I just, I don't have any context. Okay, I'll give you some. No, no, that's all right. That that alone just says to me, well, I just, why didn't he just walk? I don't understand. No, no, he broke his leg, mate, big time. Okay. Smashed his leg. He fell six meters off a waterfall. Whoa. And um, yeah, it took him, to, took him two days to be found. Pretty scary, just at the back here. Um, he is a well-known um, local bushwalking guide from one of the major bushwalking clubs around here. Wow. And um, But it was really sad to read that he hadn't told anyone where he was going. Is that what – is that right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. That's why he got – that's why he had to sort of crawl his way out. He broke his leg and his wrist and um, – That's complacency right there. A little bit because you think well, it you're has good. To be. Well, well he... I'm a guide, man. I know this area like the back of my hand. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm not. I'm not. Putting but that's no exactly right. Together. He said he'd been there many times, so I guess you would be complacent. But he reckons that the um, yeah, I'd climbed the waterfall many times before. This time it was so dry that the lime on the rock, instead of sticking, it slipped and gave way. So he'd normally just you know climb up there, but it just slipped. Um. Yeah, he's, so he's, he's lucky it was just a leg. He slid 20 feet and Whoa. then he cartwheeled and slammed into the rock and oh. landed in the creek at the bottom. And then, yeah, oh. he had to scramble out of there. Wow. I didn't hear about this at all. You didn't? I did hear no, about it no. and I went, oh, I have to look that up. Um, but oh, yeah, I'm like glad he got out safe. Yeah, he's a volunteer crazy. and he's. he sounds like he's a good guy. Oh, no, I'm sure he, he's anyone who takes any people in the outdoors is good in my books yeah i i actually had a little slip on the um hike that i did the solo hike and there's actually video of it <laughs> um 
So I walked up this, uh, how would you say? I wouldn't call it a waterfall. It's just cascading rock shelves, and it goes for ages. Really big elevation. And I set up the camera, and I climbed up all of it with my backpack. Then I dropped my pack up the top and thought, I'll just scoot down. You know, the joys of, uh, you know, filming, self-filming. you got to go back and get the camera. So I just went back, you know, dropped the pack and just started, you know, reasonably quickly making my way down. As I stepped onto this kind of rock face, it had a bit of gravel on it. And uh, one foot gave way. I kind of started to slip and I put one hand down and that made me spin uh, over and onto the other hand and then I kind of caught myself and stopped the spiralling. But that just uh, reminded me that I did get a bit of a shock there because I thought, wow, Mm. if I had have fallen, a similar thing might have happened in that um, I would have started to build up a bit of momentum and then slide and slam and yep. all sorts of stuff. Um, but the one thing I did differently, um, I'm not having to go at this guy, but I had, I got, um, you know, the Topo Mopes app. I basically opened that and I took a screenshot of it and then I drew, um, you know how you can draw lines and stuff on mm-hmm. it? Yeah, I drew these lines and put dots and stuff and I had the lines different colored and then I sent that photo to the guy who owns the property and I said, right, the green line indicates where exactly which way I'm going to hike this afternoon and, you know, that dot represents where I'm going to sleep the night on that ridge and then... The other color line represents the exact direction where I'm going to head back to the cabin because I did a bit of a loop. And he, you know, he's a, he obviously owns the land and he looked at it and went, yeah, great, perfect, got it. I know exactly where you're going. And I said, I will not deviate off that. Mm-hmm. I will not deviate from that for anything. So if you don't hear from me by uh, midday tomorrow, um, you basically just follow that loop, get some help out there, follow that loop, and I'll be somewhere there. Yeah, well, that's your lifeline. So, you yeah. know, you've got to do something like that, let people know. Yeah, yeah, I for sure. It's... That's that's the big lesson came out of this one. And the, the uh, you know, obviously the guy's saying to everyone that, you know, the biggest fault was that he hadn't told anyone where he was going. Oh, that's pretty cool that he's... You know, he's come out and said that too. So good on him for for kind of um, spreading the word on that. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Cool, man. Well. Oh, thanks for bringing it down. <laughs> Thank you. I thought you might say that. I ruined it. <laughs> uh, I don't have any, uh, I don't really have anything for uh, gear talk this week, to be brutally honest, but I will touch very lightly on... Uh, what you alluded to earlier, or what I thought you were alluding to, which you yeah, weren't. Yeah. Uh, so Zenbivy sent us two um, mattresses. Now, we've already got the sleeping bags and stuff, but when they first released these uh, and we first got involved, you would use a third-party um, 
inflatable mattress. So, for example, I had an X-Bed. Oh, you had an X-Bed too, didn't you? Hmm. Yeah, we both had X-Beds. My X-Bed was a bit too big, so it, it didn't really work um, yeah. perfectly for the system. But uh, I now have two. Oh, I just remembered I forgot to bring it for you, mate. Oh, I thought you were going to uh, pull it out right now uh, so we can all just... Absolute goose. Be in awe. But anyway... Um, yeah, caught me off guard. Anyway, stay tuned for that because the good thing about that is now I, we can actually go out and do a film a proper review on that uh, because we're using, we've got the Zambivi mattress and the whole sleep system. So you'll see it exactly how it's meant to be. Yeah. And I think pretty that's good. pretty important to do the to do the review like that. I'm looking forward to that one. Cool. Good excuse to get go to sleep. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Oh, do you know what it's time for? Go. Tom's Magical Mystery yeah. Media Mashup. Okay. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> Get that into your fella. What, what's all going right, on? All right, all um, right. You know Yeti, the uh, yeah. not, not the large animal. <laughs> Cooler boxes. Fictitious animal. Yeah, Yeti coolers. Um, they have a series of... Uh, they do all, actually. They do a lot of cool film stuff. Those guys are right onto the content stuff. All right. I stumbled across this um, short film about a lady called Leanne Faley or Faley, and she's a mountain pilot in Alaska. And so there's a short film about her, which I'll put in the show notes, of course. She's also an artist, does amazing um, paintings and, and drawings of, of the mountains. But it it's just a really good, this, this film just captures that remoteness and, and, and how remote her life has become because she's this mountain pilot. And it's this really cool, um, you know, scene where she's got her daughter in the back of the plane and just chatting away. And it's just like you and I would take the kids down the road for, I don't know, get some groceries or whatever, or pick them up from school. But she's in in a plane mm. taking off and flying over the, this, the, the craziest, most remote Alaskan wilderness. Wow. Um, and, you know, flying for hours just to get to other sort of towns and stuff she obviously moves around uh you know she works for a place they move around you know like i don't know hikers or mountain bikers or hunters or yeah scientists or anybody who needs to get remote access to these areas and uh yeah it's become her life now she's got a got a really cool instagram um page that i've been following just lately and the film is just a beautiful film, excellent cinematography, and I would recommend spending um, a short amount of your day checking it out. Mate, I've got to say, I always love coming here, <laughs> getting these little uh, bits from you. This is what I'm going to watch now. Oh, that's cool, man. I know you're going to love this one. Yeah, it's cool. really good. Uh, and that's why next next month, next time, you'll we'll be sitting here, and I won't have any new media because I've just watched... Last month, you just watched last month. Media, you'll be able to tell me what From you think. Tom. I could tell you what I think, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, it, it's like I don't care what well, you think anyway. So, 
that's kind of what we've got to say, actually, <laughs> is that I finished a book. <clears throat> oh, newsflash. I finished a book. <clears throat> this is good. It's what, good. What's even better about this is it's the same book that I finished. Yeah, you were saying that we would talk about it once I finished in yeah. its, uh, my year without matches. Yeah, not yours. <laughs> the author's year. <laughs> Claire Dunn is her name. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I read it and I'm sure I alluded to it in, in the last podcast that I didn't want to do the the uh, any kind of review on it until you'd caught up. Um, well, you guys, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it to sound like you catching <laughs> Catch, up. I meant takes a while. till you had the time to yeah, invest yeah. in reading. Quite different. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? Oh, mate, it was fantastic. It was really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's different, right? Yeah, I did find it like you said, um, a, a quite an emotional journey that. And then there was aspects of relationships in there I wasn't expecting when you just read the title. So, yeah, I thought it was it was a very special book. Um, and it was a very nice birthday present. Thank you, Tom. Oh, no, my pleasure. Uh, um, <laughs> it's a good one. You know, that's the sort of book that's going to sit on your shelf and you'll either read it again or your kids will read that one day. And, yeah, it's a cool book. Like my, my kids have been eyeing it off. Um, yeah. And... Uh, asking me what it's all about and you know without going into too much detail um she the author claire signs up for this year on this remote property where um was it uh one one day a month or or two days a month or something where they're allowed to leave the actual area oh, it, it kind of like <clears throat> mm. um so it's not a hundred percent you don't just walk out into the wild and um get dropped off somewhere it's not, it's not quite like that but i have to say the more i read the more i thought hey there's no discounting how remote this was yeah that's like, exactly still significant what i thought is that Initially, I was expecting this full remote experience from her, but there are some aspects where, you know, she's able to have visitors and stuff like that. Yeah. Yet, it's not discounting the experience. No way, because... I, I'm fully yeah. impressed with what I um, I think she got up to and oh, achieved. She, she blew my mind. Yeah. 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 So I've told heaps of people about this book. Oh, I, have you? That's yeah. That's cool, yeah. I mean, she definitely... Um, yeah, there's other people on the... Um, there's other people, I think, was it seven that, or somewhere around that number, somewhere around five. Five, I think, five. at the beginning. Uh, and, and they all signed up together. Um, she only knew one other person. Um, no, she also knew that some girl there as well. She's really ruining the story that we <laughs> like so much. Anyway, the, <laughs> the point is, there's other people there, but they had this really cool uh, communication system, which is basically... There's like a main trail and if you wanted to drop in on someone, you couldn't just wander up to their shelter. Uh, you had to um, stop at the, um, basically at the trailhead and kind of signal, you know, so give a little cooey or call out or something. And uh, if there's no response, that means that they just want to be left alone. So 
uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So she spent a lot of time where she didn't let anyone come near her shelter and mm. she didn't interact with humans for, for you know, lengths at a time. So Yeah, no, she took it really seriously. And, yeah, um, she did. And, and um, yeah. as the title uh, implies, she, her number one goal was to not use matches um, or any kind of flint or anything to light a fire for 12 months and what she did by doing that was set a goal that you know she had to grow as a person to get there because you know I don't know I've you see that people trying to make friction fires and it's a heck of a lot of work no I've never done it I've never done it but I've watched Oh, we used to muck around as kids. We didn't get anywhere doing it, but I've seen professionals yeah. do it. By professional, I mean people that do that stuff all the time, and they still struggle. Yeah, and they they know exactly what they're doing. And I think I got no hope. Really, yeah. now she inspired me to watch some um, some YouTube videos on how to do it. Actually. Yeah, I'd love to. And that was one of the cool things that they had in that as part of that experience. They would have um, different people come yeah. and teach them different skills like um, uh, tanning hides or um, yeah, pottery the, and stuff. Pottery. So they'd actually make a whole bunch of pottery and then she'd use that pottery for the entire rest of the year actually as bowls and stuff that she would eat out of. She built a shelter from scratch from all local materials. Um, That's awesome. So yeah, you guys you guys should read this book. That's what we're saying. You most definitely should read it. If you're not convinced, uh, well, we have a scoop for you. I'm sure we mentioned this as well on an earlier podcast, but I have absolutely confirmed that mm-hmm. Claire Dunn will be a guest on the podcast in the very near future. Sweet. We've got a date locked in. Um, Craig and I will be working towards that. And I'm really looking forward to just picking her brain about so many things and, and almost getting the inside scoop on some of the things that are, that I mentioned in the book. And I think, and Craig and I have discussed this off air, but I think, you know, even now what we said about the book then and, even listening to Claire talk, it's it's really not going to take away from you still reading the book. Yeah. But yeah. I think any amount of conversation is going to take you on the journey that that book does. So I guess what I'm saying is it, it's not really, we're not going to spoil it for you by having a guest on like that before you've had a chance to read her book. Hopefully just inspires you to get the book. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, man. I know it's good. It's tops. And I mean, we were going back and forth for a while there trying to sort out a date and I was getting a bit worried. I know people are busy and Mm. she's away all the time, but um, I think we've got it, mate. Awesome. All right. Hey, do you know who Jared Leto is? It's from one of your favorite bands, I think. Oh, (laughs) Jared Leto. Leto, Leto. Leto. I didn't know who he was at all. Jared. Doesn't ring a bell. 30 Seconds to Mars. He plays in that band. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm 
not, secretly proud to say I don't know not, a single song not familiar. <laughs> of theirs. Um, I don't know an album. I don't know a song. I didn't know who he was. But I have heard the band name before. Yeah, sure. He's also, which I found out later because I started doing a bit of digging as I do, and he's actually quite accomplished actor. He was, um, he did play the Joker in a, in a film, um, like not, um, obviously I think it probably predates Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, yeah, but, uh, which is heavily critiqued, let me just say. Right. Yeah, Jared does not get great reviews. Definitely not, um the sort of reviews that old mate Heath Ledger got or um, how do you say his name? Jaquan. 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 <laughs> Phoenix. Something like that. Right. Um, Different. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm off topic here. Tell us. For some reason, I don't know how and I don't really care, he was involved in directing um, a five-part series called the Great Wide Open, uh, all available on YouTube, um, five basically short um, short films. Uh, now, Jared must have, or well, he obviously does have, a passion for climbing. Uh, he must have a lot of experience. It must be one of the things he does because he goes climbing in four out of the five episodes. He goes climbing with um, different guys in different areas he climbs with um, Alex Honnold, which we talk really? a bit about. Yeah, uh, really cool episode with Alex. He climbs with Tommy Caldwell, which yeah. we've talked about him. He climbs with Alex Honnold, uh, and there's a really cool episode as well about this wolf biologist in Yellowstone National Park, which is something quite different. Um, it would have been nice to see all five episodes on a different topic altogether, but hey, that's just that's just me being picky because I really enjoyed the the wolf biologist one. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's very, very, very good cinematography. He's actually a really cool host. Uh, he's just casual. He gets in and you know he, he's just cool. Like he's he seems like a pretty normal bloke. And I think what was really good for me was. Watching the series, not knowing who he was, not knowing that he was famous, I just thought he was some guy that um, just I just thought he was some guy that was a host mm. to this series, and I thought, oh, yeah. he's a pretty cool guy. He can climb. He's pretty funny. He um, gets out and has a good time with these guys. And then after I watched about four of them, I thought. Why are all these people commenting like they know who this Jared guy is on YouTube? And then I, as soon as I Googled him, I yeah, went, right. oh, wow, geez, I live a sheltered life. Yeah. So that's another one to check out. Um, yeah, great wide open. Very, very, very good. Oh, cool. Um, there's this thing called a stairway to heaven in Austria, Craig. Yeah, yeah. It's... These names are going to be great because I love pronouncing names from crazy countries like Austria. It's in a place called Donnerkogel, which I'm sure is not how you say it. 
Perfect. Thanks very much. It's in Austria's Salza Kamgernat resort no. area. That's completely wrong. But how am I meant to pronounce this stuff for our listeners? S A L Z K A M E R G U T. That's one word. Uh, so the best I can do is put links to it. I apologize. <laughs> it's a 43 meter long sky ladder and it stretches over an abyss which is 700 meters deep. There's a YouTube video of it. Wow. This kind of goofy looking guy. I don't know what it, what what his story is, but I'm just quickly playing a tiny <laughs> bit to Craig here. So here's him gearing up. <laughs> now wait for it. Um, so they're kind of climbing up. And um, no. remember when we interviewed Richard, he, he had a name for those things, which is when you uh, have, um, you wear a safety harness and you have a rope and a carabiner on your left and your right. And as you move but, uh, over to the points with the um, bolts in the rocks, you clip one carabiner over, so you're hooked, and then you take off the back one and then you hook that over. He had a word for it, and and um, I can't remember what it is, but um, that's what the system is. So you're not climbing with ropes. You're climbing with a safety harness and, and a mechanism to stop you if you slip. But it gets better. Jeez. Um, so they're not even on the thing yet, man. Watch when it gets to this. Where is it? Get ready for it. Da, da. <laughs> it's a how could I describe this? A wire, a steel rope ladder, a steel rope ladder that has an angle of yeah. I've seen this on on forty on, degrees. Or I've something? seen this on Temple of Doom. <laughs> uh, yeah, because the crystal that you've got to get is up the top there. So yeah, what, forty degrees, something like that. And um, absolutely nothing in between the ground. And look at it. Now look when he pans down. Yeah. Why do you try and freak me out with this, man? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I watched this video thinking, oh, I could do that because you got all the safety stuff. I could do that. And then as the video went on and on, I started to go, oh, no, I don't know. I don't think I could do that. I think I'm um, close to pass hours. That might go some way towards... Um, look at this. They're the views that are... Look at this view. Oh, no. <laughs> no. This is not helping. I thought this might help, but that would not help with my oh, fear of heights, mate. Oh, look. No. Oh, you can see straight through. It's okay, Craig. There's no floorboards in the way. You just look through the ladder. Oh, oh look at that oh. drone shot. <laughs> it's okay they're just walking up man no drama so when you get to the top of that you're not actually at some flat lookout or something then you got to climb up the rock no uh on but you're attached on the cables so. i'll just say you don't have to do anything look at this <laughs> look at this still not no uh, one word sickening sickening <laughs> 
Oh, Thanks, that's mate. crazy. Thanks for that one. That's all right. I'm glad you showed me now. I don't have to watch it. No, no, you do. Have, you got to watch the whole thing on the big screen. <laughs> uh, I got a, I got a curveball for you now. I don't even know how to start to explain this. I probably won't explain it too much. I'll right. just put the link on. Make your own assessment. Righto. I don't know who this guy is. Again, I stumble across these people. I don't know anything about him. His name's George Thompson. He seems to have a YouTube channel that uh, really focuses on philosophy and that sort of really kind of digging deep into thinking about the meaning of stuff. Okay, stay with me, guys. I'm not going too hippy-dippy here. It's a video he's done called The Philosophy of Identity. Now, how does it all tie in with what we do? He basically goes into the woods to um, find space and peace to kind of ponder these answers and really kind of talk them through. And uh, it, this it's a good video, man. He, he talks about kind of the human purpose and why we're attracted to the wilderness and mm-hmm. the benefits from it and everything. And at the end of it, I thought, you know what, That's that's definitely not what our listeners are going to um, expect, but what the heck, it's kind of loosely related to being outdoors and stuff. So it's going in, and it's our podcast, so you can't stop us. Ah. Anyway, <laughs> bad luck. <laughs> no, we've always had a we've always had a jab at this about that, you know, the need to yeah, connect yeah. with nature. Otherwise, you you're just sort of missing something in your life. Oh yeah, we don't we're not out there hiking just for fitness um, and selfies. I mean, yeah, sure, the selfies are a very, very big part of why I hike. (laughs) And I'd say, like, the majority of the reason I hike is selfies. (laughs) But if you take that away, there's at least 2% of the reason I'm out there is to be in the wilderness. That's right, that's right. That's right. (laughs) Can you imagine for a second uh, other people around the world, other cultures, other languages perhaps do not understand my sarcasm. Can you understand how let's hope. bad that is for us? Yeah, let's hope they do. You gotta hope they do. Let's hope they do. All right. Uh, I oh, there's two things I want to touch on uh, in, in our shout outs. One is, um, we, we talk we talk about him a lot. Jodes Jodes is a is a cool guy who really supports us and gives us a lot of good feedback. Now, this is a really interesting thing, and I really wanted to mention this for everyone else who listened. If you listen to episode 17, which was Solo Hiking with Andy, part one, Hmm. you may have had the same thought as Jodes. Because what I've, in hindsight, when I've gone back and thought about it, that podcast we split it roughly in the middle to split it into two episodes, right? But it really didn't come into its own until the second half, or in my opinion. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I thought that too. All, yeah, also, you have a hard time grasping what Andy's all about in that first one if you don't have the second one for context. And it was really interesting uh, from somebody who, you know, 
doesn't know anything about Andy. He's all over the other side of the world in the UK. And he actually wrote in um, on the Podbean app and, and said a comment and said, you know, great episode as always. Um, and I'm just ad-libbing here. But he basically said, yeah, you know, not quite sure about this Andy guy. Like he almost sounds too Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, almost like a bit over the top. Um, and he wasn't having a go. He just said, I'm just not sure, right? Okay. And I thought, absolutely fair call. I did, I was quick to say, well, I think that you probably, like we don't have a heavy Australian accent, in my opinion, when you compare us to someone uh, or other people we know. So you may kind of think that listening to us is uh, is Australian, but it's kind of not as Australian as you can get. That's for sure. So I, yeah. think, I think that's one thing. Yeah. But. To his credit, he listened to the second half and he actually came back and commented again and said, you know what? I get it now. He's an absolute legend. I get it. And I thought, wow, that's, first of all, good on you, mate, for for taking the time to, hmm. to, to invest in the second one and good on you for coming back and kind of making that. I'm not going to call it a correction because I don't think you were wrong the first time. What I'm saying is you've come back and kind of addressed a, a comment that you made. Um, but what it did, what the, this is a great thing about when you guys give us feedback, right? It makes me think about things or makes both of us think about things from a different perspective. So we don't know how we're going sometimes unless you tell us. And I'd like to encourage anyone who didn't, you know, didn't get through all of episode 18, so part one, or or thought that they didn't want to hear more of the same in episode 19 to um, do what Jodes did and, and go ahead and listen to that. And, uh, yeah, that second part really does start to unfold into some crazy, really cool adventure stuff. I just thought I'd mention that. There's no doubt he, yeah, talks more about some of the crazy stuff he gets up to in the second half. That's why I was worried about splitting that one up. But we had been it's talking a tough call. for it's so long. It's always a tough call, man. It was such a long sort of podcast. It, mm. it made sense to cut it up. But I think you're right. Yeah, he. Yeah, it's, that's really interesting. I, I, I know, and I, I learned something. We all, you know, we're always learning, and we're always trying to improve this. Um, so, okay. it is interesting, eh? Yeah, yeah, interesting that someone just out of the blue just, um, just pointed that out. So, uh, yeah, really grateful for that. And, um, you know, Craig and I have been toying with the idea. We we're talking about it before this podcast of um potentially doing an entire uh an entire podcast without a guest just us two just answering your questions any questions about anything about us what we do the hiking whatever our opinion on anything now what we wanted to do first was kind of gauge the feedback on that so I mean, get expressions of interest. If you, if that's something you think you'd be interested in us doing, is just sitting here and answering a whole bunch of your questions and kind of going into detail where we can. Uh, I mean, we'd really enjoy it. We'd love to do it. Um, it's just up to you guys whether that's something you want to hear. 
So yeah, jump on whatever medium you like and uh, give us some feedback on that if that's of interest to you. Uh, at the same time, we're kind of scoping out some potential new topics for um, the coming months and the coming year. So if you uh, can think of any topics that you might want us to hit, give us a bit of a heads up on that as well because we can start putting some thought into it. Uh, essentially, we're just cruising along doing what we think <laughs> you might want to like, you yeah. might want um, like to listen to. Uh, but yeah, obviously, we, we might not always get it right. So give us some feedback. We like it. Now, Craig, what you've been waiting for, finally, we close the loop. Right. Later on tonight, yeah. when we talk to our guest, Tom, we talk about wearing kilts and the dangers of ticks. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You see where I'm going with this? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So do you remember Joel? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joel, uh, for those of you who didn't listen, this must have been about three episodes ago, he wrote in. He had a, um, to put it um, politely as possible, he had a tick on his tackle. Right. right that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to get back in the whole story, but this, this is a brand new girlfriend he took out um, camping and he had a tick on his on his junk and he and he, he had to get her to reef it off because he couldn't see down there. So go back and listen to the full story. It's it's pretty cool. So then then in another episode I mentioned him because he said he wrote in and said he he listened to our <laughs> rendition of it and he said, Yeah, not bad, pretty good. You got most of it right. He said, I'm going on a camping trip with her this weekend and I'm going to be driving on the highway for a significant amount of time, a couple of hours. I'm going to throw your podcast on and say I've got something to listen to and then I'm going to say nothing, right? And then I, and then we, kept, we got on air on the last podcast. And I said I, I emailed him. He hasn't emailed back. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it went. Yeah. Well, he sent me an email and said, oh, sorry, mate, I've... I only just caught up on that podcast. I didn't know you were waiting to hear the result. <laughs> of course I'm waiting to hear the result. What do you think I'm doing here? Like, I only <laughs> partly do this for my own satisfaction and fun. Uh, so anyway, th this is actually his email. And I'll read pretty much most of it out because it, it, it's just, I can't sum it up any better. So here's the thing. It went to plan. I'm proud at how I composed or how composed I remained in the lead up to your delivery. And I didn't give anything away by laughing while driving up the highway. I don't think she actually heard when you prefaced the story that it was about a tick. She did turn to me when you said it was someone named Joel from Brisbane. I thought the game was up, but no. She laughs and says, that's a funny coincidence. All right. <laughs> uh, my face was a stone. No <laughs> idea how I held it together, but I did. Yeah, very funny, I reply, trying to keep from exploding. She slowly caught on after a while and started laughing her ass off. 
Um, she only whacked me a couple of times, so it all went well. Um, so that that's the first. I mean, I was I was reading his email just in yeah. stitches. Such so funny. Uh, then he goes on to add, he returned to the scene of the crime uh, for his birthday with a big crew of mates. After a few drinks, he decided it was prime time to bust out your rendition over the Bluetooth speaker for the campground to hear. Oh, no. <laughs> Everyone had no idea I had emailed in, so it went down a treat. I've never seen my brother laugh slash choke so hard. <laughs> I thought that was absolute gold, and I just picture these guys just um that does bring that round full circle eh? it does right yeah <laughs> yeah i know because I, I was so close to getting the full story last time but um didn't hear back in time so yeah totally awesome yeah all right cool. mate um yeah thanks joel thanks for closing that off for us that that uh made my day and probably a lot of other people's <laughs> Um, Craig, it is time now to jump over to the interview with Tom Langhorn. Great. It's hard to describe what Tom does, but I have spoken about him on earlier episodes. He's a guy who, well, he's right into adventure and outdoors. And I mean, he's, he's going to go into detail uh, in the interview we did with him, Mm. but at some point in time, he's decided that he wants to kind of explore uh, what it was like to get around um, the highlands of Scotland in what he would consider traditional dress uh, of 17th century, isn't it? Sort of around that. Yep. Yeah. So so he basically gets around hiking in a kilt and a little wool hat and uh, like this white kind of... Um, flowing shirt and i i discovered him on um youtube by accident he popped up in my feed and i've actually um spoken about him in previous episodes and i enjoyed his videos so much i just got straight in touch with him and just felt like we really needed to have a chat with this guy and just find more find out more about what he's about what he does and and how all of that came about so it's a real different one. It's a super interesting one. Craig, you you have anything to add? Like, did, did you enjoy the chat? <laughs> yeah, mate. He seems quite eccentric, but I'm sure that I, I, I'm sure that it, it comes from a genuine part of him and who he is. Oh, and absolutely. It's all real. Yeah. It's so real. And um, yeah, it's a special find um, when you put me onto his videos, mate. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and I mean, I straight out say to him, I'm sure I say to him in the interview, you basically sound like um, just a big kid, like doing the stuff we all wish we could run around doing. And, and he just yeah. freely admits to that. So. <laughs> Uh, I think I'll leave it there yep. and, and I'll let you guys get into it. But we really enjoyed this. He's an absolutely lovely bloke. Um, I dare say this is not the last time we talked to Tom uh, in Scotland because it was a ton of fun. So, yeah, get your ears around this one, guys. Have a great time and we'll talk to you soon. Hello. Hey. How you doing? Hey. Something's working. It worked. How good is technology? That's <laughs> weird, although it's disappeared on my screen, so I don't know where it's gone. But as long as it's working, I suppose it doesn't matter. Well, you sound good. Okay, sweet. 
How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I just literally just got off the hill. Oh, I'm good on you. Sitting in a car park uh, in the Highlands. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, the voice you're hearing now is the other Tom on the other side of the planet. Okay. And Craig. How's it going, Tom? Good, thanks, Good mate. Good, strong name. It is a strong name. Strong name. <laughs> strong uh, heritage. And, uh, and like Craig, how's it going? Craig here. Yeah, good. Good. Good to talk to you, mate. Thanks for joining us. So what have you been up no, to? No what have you been up to this morning? Because it's uh, just about 1 o'clock, 1.30 there. Um, it's uh, it's 1.20 in the afternoon yep. uh, here right now. So I, I climbed uh, a mountain called Ben Withis. Right. Um. I've just been up in the Highlands all week. I'm doing this uh, mountain leader assessment. It's basically like a qualification uh, that you you can take people up in the mountains. But I've got an assessment for it in a couple of weeks' time. But basically, you need to get a bunch of you make a logbook oh, of right. like evidence. Yeah, yeah. Of uh, all the mountains that you climb. So I've just this week. I've just been doing almost like a, a mountain a day. It's <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying yeah. to clock up some um, peaks. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right. So, what's this? Um, what's the assessment going to uh, entail? Like, do you have to do anything physically at that point, or is it you're going to sit an exam? Uh, you do like they they send out like a a very small written exam, but mo- it's a five day assessment. Oh, so, like wow. one day it's navigating during the day. Another day it's like um, uh, steep ground, so rope work and stuff like that. And then there's a like emergency first aid day, and then there's an expedition and like night navigation. And oh. over the five days, you're just constantly being judged. So I'm kind of shit myself for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds a bit stressful for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and oh. at the end of that, you'll be qualified to take other people, so guide people. Is that correct? Yeah, you can take. You'll be qualified to take up to six people, like out into the wild, basically. Oh, good. Um, well, that'll cover the two so, of us when we get there. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Have you been doing some of that, taking people out already? Like, have you been able to have some work around that before or what? Uh, uh, yeah. So, with it this year, I've just been um, I've been trying to go freelance, um, freelance, just uh, teaching bushcraft survival kind of privately and then also working for a company. Um, but most of the time, the sort of the insurance covers you if you have to be close to a road in case there was an emergency. Oh, right. Um, so you can't really, you can still be kind of wild and be like a near four by four track, but uh, yeah. you know, if you want to do something out and about, then you need this qualification. So, oh, okay, okay. Uh, hey, mate. Um, I was. Uh, I'm. Have you listened to the podcast where I first mentioned you, just out of curiosity? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, oh sorry. right, yes. Yeah. So it was about three episodes ago, maybe two off the top of my head. And in the uh, just in the intro to every podcast, I usually talk about interesting um, clips I've seen on YouTube or interesting books I've read or anything like that, just anything yeah. remotely related to the outdoors. And yeah, I jumped on the podcast one episode and I said to Craig, 
man, you got to check this guy out. Like this, this guy's crazy. He's running around in Scotland in a, in a kilt. <laughs> it's the best. Thing. I don't know why. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> and um, and his uh, reaction was that. Um, well, I get this reaction a lot from Craig. Was that there's something wrong with me? <laughs> and uh, anyway, I, I talked him into to checking it out, and he got back to me he said no no this i don't know why it's good but it's really really good <laughs> so um that's kind of where uh and i've got to, well i gotta thank um youtube for chucking that up on my um in my feed yeah yeah obviously I, I watch a lot of um i don't know solo hiking stuff um Survival okay. stuff, bushcraft stuff, and and yours finally what, popped. What up. was the first of my videos well, to pop that, up? Yeah, I wrote that down because I I wanted to tell you that it was um the overnight survival as a seventeenth century Highlander. Okay, yeah. So one yeah, that's the most you, popular one. So. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It was um yeah. where you're in front of that kind of rock face, and aye, you sleep aye, there. That was the my, night. aye, that was my first overnight one in the kilt. And the, it yeah, was that's the most it was popular really one. It was really Thanks, good. Fine. You know what I liked about it, Tom, was it was quiet and yeah. and you didn't kind of flood everyone's senses with this, um, with too much music or too much talking or too much of anything. I just yeah. felt like I was as close as you could get to kind of hanging out with you there. And, um, cool. you know, I, well, I think that's a, I was still filming with a GoPro back then. Right. And although I've moved on to a better camera now, but people say like, although the GoPro isn't exactly that great quality, it does give you that kind of sense of like, you're there with someone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, uh, when we, we film, we tend to mix it up between, between the two of, I've got an A7S and then we've both got the new GoPro hero sevens and between okay. the two of those you can kind of get a um you can still capture your cinematic stuff but then you can get that raw kind of stuff when you're actually Aye. on the move or something like that but yeah no i just Aye. loved it anyway this it was um i really liked it and i started clicking through a lot of the other ones as well <laughs> cool thanks man <laughs> so um but something i did notice mate was your the progression of your filmmaking i'll call it that because i think that what you're entering into now when i say now the latter part of your channel is definitely moving into what i would consider filmmaking like it's it's um storytelling it's artistic and it's oh. it's nice to mm. watch so it's it's um different the further i went back there i had no idea that this this guy that i was watching um, you know, started out as um, I don't want this to be a derogatory term, but almost like a travel vlog type of um, channel. Would I be? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, so it was just uh, it was when the the GoPro two first came out, and I was just like messing around with that, basically. Yep. Um, yeah, it was total amateur, just kind of point and shoot, but just having fun with it. Hmm. Yeah, and it sort of escalated into this <laughs> yeah like don't get me wrong there's some really interesting stuff there and uh yeah some great footage and you've you've captured all of that but i really think that this um little niche that you've you've found is just quite incredible and, and it's captivating in a way that i haven't seen on youtube for quite some time 
Cool. Yeah, <laughs> mate, that, that's how we picked it up was, um, yeah, seeing some of these videos of you running around recently in, in the kilts and getting up into the Highlands. Uh, Where, where's your pers- yeah. personal inspiration for the, the Highlander series come from? The Highlander series, well, it actually it sort of came from um, stories that my sister told me. So, oh. um, like, I'd, so I, I grew up in the central belt, but uh, we spent most of our, like, school holidays up in the Highlands. My parents are both very outdoorsy. So we're like, we grew up hiking and fishing and just being in the Highlands and um, and all that stuff. And then from a young age, I was interested in the whole you know, bushcraft survival kind of stuff. And then my my sister was really interested in the the history and the culture, and she was really interested in the the myths and legends and the mythical creatures and stuff like that. Mm. And uh, but as we um, yeah, I was. Have you uh, followed much of Dave Canterbury's work? Uh, yeah, survivalist. I'm a, yeah, American pretty guy. pretty big fan of Dave. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I really love his stuff. And uh, when I was sort of at uni, I was getting really into his stuff, and I liked all his old school things. And he's really into wool blankets and just how uh, <laughs> multifunctional is, yeah. wool blankets are. And uh, and I think my sister had she was just talking about the plate and was telling stories of how people would. You know, uh, they were multifunctional how people wore them, and obviously, like I'd I'd seen people wear them, and I was aware of Jacobite history and stuff like that. But I was just like, "What? The, the plate is just a big wool blanket. That's fucking awesome!" Like, <laughs> yeah. like uh, <laughs> actually, <laughs> I I had some uses for that. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't quite seen it the way you were. I'm um, showing us how how you wear it and stuff. It's incredible how how that that's a piece of clothing. It's, it's incredibly versatile. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, so I cu- that was the initial way I stumbled upon it. Funnily enough, fair enough. And then, like, um, through just w- just through like family, friends, and uh, pe- my old job, I worked up in the Highlands. Um, uh, just sort of meeting other knowledgeable people, and I was just like, oh, there's there's such a pool of knowledge of how people in the Highlands survived. And um, my my sister's fluent in Gaelic, and she's uh, well contacted in that sort of world and there's a sort of you know a few kind of elders you could say or there's a few people trying to keep that knowledge alive yeah and yep. i just saw like oh you know there's a whole there's a whole thing here that no one's tapped into of how people survived or uh, or at least their people are doing it in some ways but uh, no one had no one had dressed up in the bushcraft survival side and uh Mm. I was working up in the Highlands, and it was a perfect place. It was that really close to uh, where I filmed that first video that you saw. Yep. And uh, so I was just like, I'd been dreaming up the series uh, a couple of years in advance, but I'd been traveling, so I was away from Scotland. So when I came back, I bought myself a plate and just went and like started it, basically. <laughs> yeah, there's something about it, mate. You've stumbled on some gold there. That's <laughs> now your sister, cool. she. Uh, reads um, some of the poetry on one of your videos, doesn't she? Yeah, she does the singing in that, that's in that right. video as well. as well. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and it's good. funny because the, the Gaelic translation it's literally it's a it's like a love song, um, and in one of the verses it's uh, it's a woman um, remembering about being wrapped up in her lover's plaid because they're like <laughs> they're like <laughs> ran away from the village and they're they're 
bumping uglies out in the forest <laughs> and they're played. <laughs> Uh, so yeah it just went perfectly with it uh, no it's very good (laughs) i liked it yeah and i really enjoyed that because it just it just kind of started um uh about halfway through that video from memory it just she just started singing or talking and i thought whoa what's going on here and uh i thought it was quite fitting it was it was different and um yeah give her our regards she does a nice job and yeah beautiful voice too oh yeah well i'm hoping to get our we're on them. Um, I want to do a, a video about the mythology of trees. Oh, so yeah. There's lots of folklore and stuff attached to the trees that, that goes way back to the Celts. But it's sort of that was another great thing about this kind of time period and culture is that although you know it wasn't really wasn't that long ago in her history, but because that area of the Highlands was relatively unchanged, although like Christianity had been there for you know. Uh, whenever the Romans brought it a couple mm-hmm. thousand years ago, it still held some some very old Celtic mythology and kind of sort of elements of Celtic paganism that goes way, like, who knows how far back yeah. that goes. Yep. So that's quite cool how it sort of survived um, mm. yeah. in and that I think culture it's, up it, to not that long ago. It's equally important that someone like yourself is is bringing some of that information forwards as well. Hmm. Well, I thought at least it, doing it in the bushcraft survival way was, it was just like a, it was just like a new way to present it. There is people out there like uh, keeping this knowledge alive, but it's still very much, you know, in books or yep. kind of just still within a quite small Gaelic community. Yeah. And I think, but, so, you know, some of that stuff like is... you just dress it up something different yeah it's hard to palate sometimes like it's hard to ingest uh information that's just uh either in a textbook or even in some kind of a uh history channel sort of format where it's just a somewhat bland um display of information but i think the, the way you've approached it makes it engaging and before you realize it, you're learning about history, not just watching some crazy Scotsman run around in a kilt. It's kind of like win-win, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to trick people into learning. That's right. That's exactly yeah. right. Hey, um, your mission statement of your channel, I just want to mm. read it out, but it's quite... Um, It's quite lengthy, but I will read it out because I want to talk about this. To help reconnect people with their natural and cultural heritage through the practice of wilderness living skills in order to better understand ourselves and how we can be more responsible participants on this planet. How long ago did this this mission statement come about? Um... In the in those exact words, uh, I think I wrote them down at the beginning of the year because basically this year was when the YouTube channel was gaining some momentum and I was getting some opportunities. I thought, right, I need to write because uh, the mission statement had been, I guess, it had been very vague for maybe uh, five, six years of like an idea of kind of what I wanted to do. But yep. it was incredibly vague. But actually trying to put it into a mission statement so that, you know, you have something 
to aim for, if that makes sense. Yeah, something tangible. Um, yeah, something tangible, something that you can, um, yeah. Well, you can gauge your you success. You can work towards right, every day. Yeah, exactly. So that that's only really in the last few months. Um, did that happen? Yep. Um, and uh, uh, so hey, I, yeah. Just for our listeners, I don't I don't think we've actually um, mentioned this, but you're. I know you mentioned you just got back off the mountain, but you're literally still sitting in your car, aren't you? Yeah, I know. That's why I just park. wind up the window because some walkers have come past and they're <laughs> talking. <laughs> so tell them, don't, don't they know who you're talking to? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I've been living this in the car for uh, 10 days, so it's just like I've got um, like wet clothes hanging oh, over great. the chairs. And oh, they're probably <laughs> a bit reluctant to get too close to you. Interested smell. <laughs> And it looks like you're talking to yourself now too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's on some dodgy call, making some kind of deal. <laughs> uh, in uh, one of your your videos, I, I can't remember what it was called, sorry, but um, I'll put all of these, um, these references we make. I always do a show notes page on our website for the, uh, for the listeners. And it's basically just a place where they can um, you know, cause they might be listening to this while they're running or driving or whatever, but they'll go back to that show notes page and I'll put in all, I'll embed, no. embed all the videos we talk about. So, um, no. even though I can't remember the title of this one, it was basically you, um, talking about your motivation for being in the wilderness. Oh yeah. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. One? We, we are, we are wildness. I think I called it or something. That is exactly All what you things. called it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you know what you've done. <laughs> I remember the, what the thumbnail looks like. I can't really remember what yeah, the title yeah. was. But I think, no, no, yeah. you, got, you nailed it, mate. I think you nailed it. Yeah. Um, you speak of a disconnect with uh, between nature and the modern world. Mm. Um, it's something that um, I know Craig and I kind of, well, I guess our main reason for ever getting in the outdoors was to kind of try and um, reconnect and I don't want to try and sound um, chauvinistic here but f- realizing what it is to to be a man but at the same time mm. if, if you're a woman in the outdoors then it's it's realizing what it is to be a woman um, yeah to be human in general to be human in general exactly right yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Th- that was kind of what originally got us out there but you really touch on some I mean that whole video I think everyone should just listen to that. It's kind of like a mantra. Craig, have you had a chance to to listen to that one? No, because that's um that's something I was going to ask you about. Is you know you're getting in touch, yeah, with your yeah, your, it, it, your past and I reckon it sums up everything. I think almost you'd want to start. Well, no, no, you got to watch the Seventeenth Highlander thing in a kilt first. But <laughs> sec- second video, go and have a look at this one. Um, well, I think I might confuse people because some people are like, "Oh, it's just a History Channel," and I popped up with all that deep stuff, and they're like, "Oh, what?" Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, you know what I. But kind it is of like the underlying. That. I was trying yeah. to communicate the underlying kind of motive behind everything. Well, the funny thing is, um, the more and more you know, once we we spoke and and you um, agreed to come on as a guest. The more and more research I did across the channel and the more I watched, I thought, wow, this goes so much broader than I anticipated. Um, you know, you, you're doing things like archery and building your own bows, which 
trust me, we'll get to that later. I've got that written down. <laughs> but uh, th then you've got this whole whole side where you're um, talking about, you know, this this clip we're talking about now. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting that it's still the whole spectrum is of interest to me, and I think uh, I think that's okay, mate. Like I think that's okay to to yeah, sure. Some people might have jumped on because of your earlier videos or maybe they jumped on because of the Highlander series but it's your channel and and uh you're spreading mm. it spreading a good word so I, I commend you on that no mm. thanks man yeah i mean do uh, you do you think people are are overlooking their connections with 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 the land these days do you think that's why you've got so much education in here and trying to reconnect help people reconnect with with their history and with the land um Yes, I well, yeah, I think um, in general, um, I feel like perhaps don't I might go back to like way back into uh, uh, when uh, ancient, uh, you know, when Christianity first emerged, or you know, you could go way back into analyzing where that first kind of dualistic split began. Mm. Um, between the kind of like the the humans and their sort of separation from nature, but I think it's I guess I'm, I'm in that video and in the work I'm just trying to just uh like just describe an absolute like reality that I feel when I'm out in the wild, uh, especially with like minimal uh, equipment and and yeah. tools, uh, or when you get like a good sort of uh, when you're in the wild and really bad weather and you're really sort of humbled by just like mm. you're actually like you're so small and you're so like pathetic organism yeah, <laughs> compared yeah, to like the, the majesty of nature Insignificant. and I think exactly and I think that I think is it's an important feeling for a modern person to have because I think we have become so I feel like we're in a little technical and little uh, civilization bubble that it's just like we feel so un like untouchable and feel so um just like you know everyone's sort of obsessed with where technology is going yep. and ai and all that stuff which is true and is interesting and we should you know technology should progress for the for the good of everyone but it's like I think everyone needs to experience like an absolute grounding of like no this is actually what human being is and this is what this is what living is it's that basic you know i'm i need to keep warm to maintain my core body temperature i need to get some water in i need to you know it's like the basics. getting that grounding experience and then through that i found that you you realize that you are um you have come you know f you didn't come into this world but you came from it if yeah that makes sense yeah you uh, actually I'm a say, big fan of Alan Watts, so <laughs> lots okay. of Alan Watts lectures. <laughs> okay, what's um tell us about Alan Watts. I'm not actually familiar with that name. Oh man, you should check him out. He's a write down. basic philosopher um who became uh, he was around in the sixties. He brought Eastern philosophy to the West, but he doesn't really well. But he's got that saying, um, you didn't come into this world, you came from it. Okay. Uh, like in like away from the ocean. And it sounds a bit kind of like vague and uh, mystic, but I think when you're 
when you experience being in nature like that with absolute like basics uh, and you kind of experience that kind of the absolute grounding basics of being alive, then you can get that humbling feeling and you sort of realize that actually, you know, civilization is just as bubble and it could pop so easily, if that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's almost depressing how how um, quickly that could happen, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, how like little resilience there that, is of left between the average person. That's exactly and, right. And also, yeah. uh, uh, you talk about being grateful for when you return from nature and oh, you're yeah. able to turn on a tap and get fresh, clean drinking water and... Um, you know, turn on a light switch and things like that. And I, I 100% truly agree with that. And there's a couple of other points that you mentioned in the same video. Uh, one a great statement you made was that we're deprived of stillness. And mm. it's funny that you mentioned that because Craig and I are currently, uh, well, I've just finished reading a book that he's actually reading. And it's about a lady who... Um, lives in the wilderness for a year and doesn't take matches. She only uses friction fire. Uh, it, it's wow. a fascinating book, but even six months into this year-long journey, she has this um, guilt feeling of when she's not doing something. Like there's mm. this this inbuilt uh, thing in our society where you're not allowed to just yeah. sit under a tree and watch birds yeah, exactly, and yeah. smile and breathe fresh air and listen to the stream. Like, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Why aren't you yeah. taking photos? Why aren't you doing this? Or why aren't you sending emails on your phone? Like, it's crazy. So, yeah. I could relate to that. And uh, another one, you know, on the same sort of thing is you mentioned being alone with your own thoughts. Mm -hmm. uh, now... I'll, I'll let you answer this question, but would you say that all of those things are magnified on, and is that the reason that you tend to lean towards solo adventures? Um, so I think, I think, uh, yeah, so the, I think being solo is a, a big part of experiencing those things. Obviously, I think it's, it's great to do it with friends and I do really enjoy going out with friends and your mates and stuff but you don't generally experience the stillness <laughs> if you're with your mates <laughs> uh, <laughs> unless you're with your uh, unless you're with I don't know certain type of friend but the, and it's like the experience of like there's no one else to rely on as well and it's quite a scary feeling the first time I was doing solo trips like you're scared most of the time because hmm. you're like yeah. oh if I like slip and you know cut myself really badly or break an ankle like you know it's, it's only me to like deal with it is all the, that sort of stuff and yeah that's 100 percent true and because we are social animals like it's we're it's like built in us to feel scared when we're alone um but i think that i think that's um a kind of window into learning especially um yeah when you're out in the wild by yourself for me it's uh you can yeah, just experience a stillness, getting away from the distractions of technology and stuff like that. Yeah. And just, um, I'm quite interested in meditation and, and 
having that sort of environment really helps. Um, well, most definitely distractions does. And, and I, don't uh, think, yeah. I don't think meditation has to be that stereotypical meditation that that people are kind of picturing from from movies or whatever. I think, you know, meditation can be, um, you know, sitting on, on, on the edge of a mountain where you were today and just mm. kind of letting your mind wander or just not be full of that noise. So I think yeah. you know, people are yeah, pretty no, quick to shut down the word. Yeah, that's right. They're pretty quick to shut down. Um, oh, yeah. meditation. Well, hang on a second. If you just stop everything and enjoy nature, sometimes you're accidentally meditating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all, it's just like, it's, it's sort of focused attention and, um, Again, Alan Watt said a great thing. It's like it's it's truly the only pointless thing <laughs> because if you put uh if you put a objective on it, like oh I'm I'm meditating so that I'm more productive or that so that I can do this and that, then you're thinking about the future and you're not meditating. Right, so you've it's actually this, lost the purpose of it. Yeah, you've lost yeah. it. It's it's just this like sitting of just like just being there. Yeah, pretty much. It's just this like effortlessness. And it's like the whole nature is doing it. You just look at a tree, you look at a plant, you look, it's just like, it's just doing it. It's not thinking about it. It's yeah. not worrying about it. It's not worrying about next Tuesday and what, who said about who and what happened, but uh, happened on TV and all that shit. It's just, it's just chilling. It's just doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, I think I've only, you know, if I'm honest, I've only been in that state twice in my entire mm. life. I mean, completely in that, in that zone. I grew up um, training martial arts. I lived in Japan and stuff for a year and a half. Oh, nice. And, um, once we were sitting down at this river and we were all meditating and I and I got to that point. Um, and another time, strangely enough, was playing, um, I had this, uh, a djembe. Are you familiar with a djembe? It's a type of yeah, yeah, st- the drum. steel drum. Yeah, I had a wooden one, a nice. steel one. But this this guy, this this drum teacher, was telling me that um, if you just just get lock yourself away, play the djembe, and he said, eventually the djembe will play you. And I was just kind <laughs> no, of I can understand he, it. I was just fascinated by that thought, and he's like, "No, no, you, you won't know it until you don't know it." <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So I sat there one day, made sure my parents were out, <laughs> and. <laughs> Uh, and I just started um, playing some beats and I was doing it and doing it and doing it. And then it, I literally got to a point where um, I forgot to think for, um, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. And um, that's uh, a pretty good place to be. Kind of like a flow state almost Yeah, as well. very much a flow yeah. state. I definitely wasn't, uh, um, yeah. how would you say it? I wasn't consciously trying to play anything in particular. I find a, yeah. a few nips of good whiskey can do that to me too, Tom. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's it's good when Craig has his whiskey, I get more peace and quiet too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, actually, I think that's a segue, mate. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't explain in words how cool it is to see you've made that. Is it like a goat horn? Ram's you, horn. Ram's uh, horn. Yeah, it's a ra- ram horn from my from my cousin's croft and. Near the Alice guy. That's <laughs> hilarious. It's awesome. The best comment on that whole video was, and it doesn't taste like sheep. 
<laughs> yeah, so it just yeah. it just holds like a, just a tiny bit of whiskey in it, or yeah, it really doesn't hold a lot. And to be honest, uh, it's still not like obviously because whiskey is um it's uh thinner than water, so it's it's quite hard to make a, a whiskey proof flask. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That's so I've changed around point. the the stoppers. That, like it works for a bit, but if you leave it in your pack for for like a couple of days. Usually it will leak. <laughs> Mate, um, there's no way that would last in Craig's pack nah. for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't hold that much. So, uh, I don't even know. Maybe only. Uh, yeah, I don't know. A couple drams worth, but yeah, not a lot. But no, you'd have to make a couple, and I saw how much work went into that. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know people are saying, "Oh, I didn't use like a cow horn or something," but. I was just following the the, uh, the yeah. historical account ahead. No, yeah. that's exactly Tup, right. Tup's yeah. horn, which is a young a young male sheep, is called a tup. So oh, okay. It was a tup a tup's horn of Uskabehe. I just love that you call the whiskey the water of life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, they got something right. <laughs> you just uh, used the Gaelic word for it. Then was it Uskabehe? Yeah, Uskabehe. Oh, yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was funny. I did like that. But you see, this again, this is another um, another kind of, in a sense, tangent or another string to your bow. It's it's um, it's strange that you know you have this this video of you going out solo, but then I like the fact that you're showing us how you're making the gear. And I have seen mm. the other videos of you when you're talking about your um, um, the kilt and and how all of that came together and um, your shoes that you made from an old leather couch <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is pretty cool yeah. they'd be real stealthy i reckon <laughs> um there's something else you mentioned oh hang on can i backtrack a bit um you said earlier that we're social beings now craig didn't i didn't i talk about this to you on the last podcast um yeah did i we're social beings. The, yeah, as in, uh, as humans, we like to be social. Yeah. Well, mm. I've just been struggling with that lately because, and I'm, I'm not challenging you on that comment because I hear it a lot, but no. would you say that, this is what I've been struggling, the thought I've been struggling with, are we saying we're social beings because we've forgotten how to be alone now and we're not comfortable with ourselves, or we don't know who we are. Would you say that there's any truth in that? Um, I st still think biologically we are we are ultimately social beings because it's it's what made us um, survive. Yep, fair and call. It's, uh, and it's why people say like um, the kind of social anxiety and the reason why we care so much about fitting into the tribe is that if we didn't fit in then we might get banished and if we're banished then you know mm, we're going to get eaten by a, a yeah. saber-toothed tiger pretty quickly yeah but i think in terms of um the benefits of being alone i think there is um so it's kind of maybe you could getting away from you might say our 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 primal nature of constantly being um part of a tribe but i I think uh, there's many benefits of experiencing um, solitude. Yeah. No, that's a fair call. You see, Craig, that's why I get really smart people on, just to 
<laughs> Shut down my theories. I, I guess why I why I say that is because the more I spend time alone uh, in the wilderness. Last week I was fortunate enough to spend um, three days out there, uh, two nights in a cabin, a remote cabin, and then I hiked from the cabin. Where, where in Australia are you guys? Um, so we're in Brisbane or near Brisbane. Oh, I, okay. Yep. And uh, this was down on the border of Queensland and New South Wales. And then okay. the third night, I, I decided to hike out into the mountains and just take my hammock. And um, I have to say, mate, I have to thank you for that because I was definitely kind of channeling my Scottish Tom at that point in no, time. Yeah. yeah, I kind of thought, yeah, I really feel like doing this. I'm in a good headspace. I think I'm going to enjoy it, uh, which I think is important. I think that's important uh, for anyone getting out solo is make sure you're in a positive frame of mind before you leave because you could possibly, um, it could be detrimental to the to the enjoyment, that's for sure. But, no. um, mate, I took some oats out there. And I had every, <laughs> I had every intention of making oat cakes on a on a rock. Yeah. Um, uh, I, so I carried this rock up this damn mountain, and <laughs> it's it's hilarious because I took footage of it. And uh, there's a point where <laughs> I'm cooking um, these sausages over the fire on sticks, and then the uh, piece of slate that I dragged up um, from the river just goes ping and it cracks into three pieces oh no <laughs> um and the other thing was um we're experiencing some um pretty severe bushfires at the moment over here so mm. everything's very dry and i had an okay. extremely small fire and i thought yeah you know what i'm not going to risk lighting another fire in the morning um yeah because at least i felt somewhat safer at night because i could see if embers were were moving around but yeah um, yeah during the day you know you walk away yeah, and you, fair enough yeah. be careful there <laughs> yeah so uh yeah i didn't get to make the oat cakes but i did i did enjoy oh, well. that video of yours as well <laughs> <laughs> thanks man <Andy. laughs> it was good yeah it really inspired me i thought oh man that's making me hungry <laughs> <laughs> admittedly i was going to make a much more uh sweet version than yours yeah well the garlic ones were pretty nice yeah but i'm sure that. i'm sure the i'm sure the people um i mean it's like it's like i try and find some historical accounts to like base stuff off but then it's kind of the rest is like well what would you do it's like well if you're in time of year where the berries are out of course you're going to chuck of in of course some berries, you're going to chuck so. in some berries that's exactly yeah. right yeah no it makes perfect so, sense and you yeah. think of um a, an ingredient like that is such a a, a great base ingredient because as you as you just demonstrated you can move all the way to savory and you can move all the way to sweet but you can also uh, do something yeah. in between so it's pretty versatile yeah, meals great yeah, yeah yeah it's good stuff you know I, I knew this guy once and he would never um take um oats when he was hiking <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um yeah, i yeah. told him every yeah, yeah. single um hike man you got to get into eating oats it's the best <laughs> and um <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you convinced me, and and then I don't think I've, I don't think I've, I don't think I've seen this video that Tom's got. So this is was the traditional sort of food, and you you make them into cakes on hot rocks, do you? Ah, uh, yeah. So I've got a video. Um, All right. Yeah, basically making oat cakes, uh, cooking them on a hot slate. Sounds People, good. Um, yeah, they also make bannock breads. 
um, oh, yeah. and making the 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 oat cakes. They cooked it on either like a metal plate called a girdle or a hot like a specific stone that was called a bannock stone, a hot stone that they would keep next to the mm. fire. Okay. Um, so we, it was were, just, we were just talking was... about bannock bread on the last episode, actually. All right. Because I, I do enjoy yeah. making that. Yeah. That's cool. good stuff. And and again, it's it's such a uh it's such a hearty or well, I guess you could call it a meal, but any any kind of accounts I can find about bannock bread is you're starting with that with the flour as your base mm. ingredient and then you're basically just foraging whatever else um you can exactly, from yeah. fruits, nuts, anything that's gonna give you energy and protein and then storing it in that bread and, and it's more easily transportable and lasts longer it's fantastic yeah yeah and it's good fun mate that's something i wanted to talk to you about i mean and and again i'm cooking over the fire last week was something that it's it's a bit of a luxury for us here because most of the time craig and i are in national parks which means there's that's not zero fires um, nice. so we usually end up cooking over, um, the gas stove and it's either dehydrated food or oats, but mm. there's a very, I think there's something pretty primal and almost, um, instinctive about putting food on a, on a fire and then sitting there. And... Yeah, totally. Even just being around the fire. I oh, mean, yeah. it's, mm. I was, uh, so my, my job last year, it was, um, environmental education project we're teaching people how basically how our ancestors in the highlands lived and we it was mainly school children and um even like we got a few few school groups from you know more urban areas and even you know you know they found it pretty difficult getting into the kind of country life and the dirt and the midges and the ticks and stuff but as soon as there's like a fire on then just everyone sort of you know comes around it and they want to like put sticks in it and stare at it and stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe these kids have never really had a proper campfire before. It, it's oh, just like it's captivating. It's just attuned to it. Yeah, you've just everyone comes around and stares at it. It's just like for sure. It's yeah. so primal. <laughs> yeah, it is hundred percent. There's a uh, you'd be. I'm sure you would have heard of uh, Les Hiddens. He's called um, Bush Tucker Man. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is he quite old school. Yes, he was. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the in the eighties, I guess his show was on. Yeah. But um, one of his um, the things he said on one of the episodes was he said, "Oh, I'm going to sit down tonight and uh, watch a bit of Bush TV." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, only totally. one channel, but it's really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's again the sort of uh, the being alone and the in the wild, the the sense of security you get when you get a fire going like i've been in situations where it's getting dark and you can get this kind of primal fear which might you know could go way back to because fire did scare away predators if you didn't have a fire and you're by yourself it's probably pretty likely that a lion or something's going to get you that's so interesting like, way of thinking about it i didn't think about it so like yeah that. so there's a sort of fear like that and then when you get a fire going you're just like it doesn't matter what happened the rest of the day but as soon as you've got a sustainable fire going, you just get this like, like relaxation of like, ah, oh, like it's like planting that seed of order in the chaos. It's like, you've got, you've got something down. 
and uh and, you know definitely. from that you can get some food and you know you're going to scare away that predator that's been stalking you and stuff like that it's just like yeah arguably uh, i mean above uh, you know next to shelter and water arguably you've got something um extremely valuable there i mean if you're talking about uh scaring off predators and then you're talking about having the ability to you know um purify water or sterilize water yeah heat water yeah, yeah. cook food take take raw food and make it um edible and also yeah, warm, yeah. warm your body i mean that's it's a it's one you of the most tools amazing. And, yeah, that's right yeah. as well. Keep away the midges. Keep away the midges. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Did oh, you see my latest video? Oh, I saw one uh, very <laughs> recently where you just got swarmed, mate. Did you? Oh, I was yeah. going to say, some of your get-ups that you, um, you wear probably don't have much protection from things like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've experienced it all. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, the kilt's a funny thing. Um how uh, how traditional do you go with it, mate? You, are you wearing some kind of woolen leggings? Well, to, be, or? Uh, to be honest, I've, I've tried both, and I do uh, I do like to cover my my family jewels now after uh, after experiencing the worst. Um. Yeah, well, there, there's a one of our um, listeners sent in and sent me an email a couple of weeks, or oh, probably a couple of months back now, and um, I won't go. I won't tell you the whole story, but basically he um, dropped mm. his, uh, on the way to the shower block, he dropped his underwear in the grass and then couldn't find it. And on the way back with his head torch, he went, oh, there they are. He picked them up and when he got back to the tent, he put them on and uh, half an hour later, he, no, he had um, a giant tick and oh, no. attached to his uh, sack, let's say. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And, uh, I've had that. Yeah. I've had that too many times. I haven't had that. <laughs> I've had them in a lot of other places, but I'm so grateful uh, I haven't had that. Um, uh, the area, and I mean, it's funny. The area in the in Scotland that was filming those initial Highlander series is the worst ticks I've ever experienced in my is that life. Right. right. Yeah, that far. It's just got way too high deer population. We've got oh, a big problem in right. Scotland. The deer yeah. population is way too high. In that yeah. forest. Um, uh, yeah, that state just had so much deer, so but they're horrendous. Um, but actually, the the worst ticks I've ever had was it was in that forest, but in um in modern clothing, I, I just had my t shirt was a wee bit small for me. Yeah, so it was sort of riding up my back on my backpack. Oh wow! Um, so just in an area of my lower back, I got nearly forty ticks. <laughs> oh what? what? That's yeah, it's disgusting. That's really bad. Yeah. Oh yeah, ticks are yeah, they're not fun. I, I was complaining that I got three on the last trip yeah, we did. Yeah, we don't get that many. Jeez. Holy heck. Did you um think they're just like we call them a bush tick or are they some paralysis ticks that you can get up there as well or Uh not... so we you only get the one one type. Yeah, one species of tick. Uh but yeah, they can carry Lyme disease. Oh yeah. wow. Um, Jesus. Which, uh, it depends. Some people are super paranoid about it, but then, like, some areas of the Highlands, it's just like you can't avoid being bitten by ticks no matter what you do. Like, obviously, like, you tuck in your socks and you, yeah, uh, yeah. tuck in your t shirt, put insect repellent around, and yeah, all that stuff. But still, it's like, I mean, yeah, I've probably got some on me right now, just like I could do. <laughs> I got one on my leg right now, just from walking around. Really? <laughs> <Are you> kidding, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, there's yeah. just like, there's so many of them, it's just like. 
Yeah, just got to deal with kind it. Of, kind of just takes your mind to thinking back 200 years and, and what, you know, people would have had as defense. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there there is a plant called bog myrtle that people use for insect repellent. Yeah. And it has been proven to, to work, but it's not um, it's not as effective as a modern insect repellent, obviously. Yeah. Mm. I think people just dealt with it and we just, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. It's it wasn't life. Yeah. yeah, probably wasn't the worst. I, I have thing a theory that they weren't as bad as well. Right. I think yeah, the that's, population things would be much less. That's yeah. an interesting yeah. point. I would probably just because we have um, we've got five uh, types of deer in Australia, and okay. I think um, if you look at the size of you know our continent and the size of the area you're in, and then you start to take away natural habitat with um towns and cities and whatnot you're really gonna start cramming that that population into a much smaller area so yeah and then yeah um, the parasites always follow that yeah they do especially when it's um kind of uh that crowded like the um craig's uncle used to have a um cattle farm and they used to get frustrated because they would um dip all the cattle but then the red, oh, yeah. yeah, then the red deer would. Is it making just the farmers run. go mad? <laughs> no, I, I don't think there was any. No? Um, I don't think there was any problem, like any um, side effects of that. But they were getting oh, okay. frustrated because the um, the deer would then run through all the properties and just drag the ticks all through anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, they could they weren't couldn't really win. But uh, yeah. yeah, what um what type of deer get around in the hills there? Um, we get two native species of deer in Scotland. You get the roe deer and the red deer. Oh yeah. And um, up in the Highlands, it's mainly the red deer. So they're the the kind of classic yeah. Scottish one that you see. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, yeah, and the roe deer are, they're smaller. Um, yep. with Small antlers. They they you do find them up in the Cairngorms, Central Highlands. Um, but it's really as far north as they go. And mm. then, of course, we've got uh, introduced ones for hunting. We've got fallow and we've got, oh, you do sure we've got like a Japanese deer and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so when you yeah. say introduced for hunting, are they high-fenced or are they, or some fool let them out into the wilderness by mistake? Uh, what do you mean? The, the deer? So the fallow, yeah. The, do they just run? Yeah, around? they're just uh, and yeah, in some estates they're just left to roam around. There's, right. So there's areas that they're pretty much naturalized. There's even reindeer on the on the Cairngorm Plateau. Oh wow, that's incredible! Uh, but they're sort of, uh, they're kind of half half domesticated. They get fed occasionally and stuff. Oh okay, yeah. Most yeah. of the deer we've got here were gifts from um, from other countries, and yeah. uh, then they just eventually um, got out and they've just run across the whole country and yeah, yeah they, they make sure the red tough. deer came from scotland didn't they yeah i'm pretty sure they did yeah. <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah no, that's really interesting scotland gave us red deer and acdc so that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> probably that's true we can't I, I think they paid us back for <laughs> having said that i don't i, I do a red deer is one of my favorite animals um i can't can't get enough of watching them. They're just um, majestic, and uh, I've uh, run into quite a few 
out there and just sat and watched. Um, the fallow are yeah, quite pretty as well. Yeah, it's the it's the rut this time of year, so the whole the mountains are oh, it's really it? loud with all the it's, males calling. Yeah, that's the weirdest sound for anybody um, around the globe who's never heard it. Um, how would you explain that roar that they do, Tom? It's like a throaty death metal growl. It's somewhere between a. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's it is like that. Yeah. It's like a. Um, it's a wolf howling, but it's just um, just smashed a couple of those horns of whiskey or something, and it's got a, <laughs> yeah. a real hoarse throat. Yeah, super loud. <laughs> so yeah, the whole the whole mountains this week have been echoing that. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Hey, Tom, is it easy to get access to places around Scotland where you like to go? Um, or is it mostly private land? Uh, no, Scotland's got this amazing right to roam law. We're the only oh. country in the UK. It means you can roam anywhere as long as it's not oh, that's great. private land. But then private land is like restricted. So that means like someone's garden. So even like a massive estate, uh, it's like percentage land. It's still restricted of how big... Yeah, like a fenced garden you can have and then the rest it's all right to roam and as long as you follow a code which is basically like don't damage people's fences don't disturb cattle yeah uh, all that stuff then we can do, you go wherever you want which is the best law ever really yeah <laughs> it's the best amazing. law is it um one are you allowed to stay one night in the one place uh yeah well that's so the, i think that's one of the codes uh no more than two nights no more so than two nights okay yeah i mean it's kind of vague i think it's to stop people just like settling <laughs> places oh no that's fair um, totally fair enough yeah. yeah um yeah the um we had a guest on thomas from uh sweden um a while back and they've got a very similar uh, yeah, they over got there. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's um that's how he gets around. He just wanders through people's um properties, and I think they've got a very similar thing where it's one or two nights maximum, and you got to move on mm. and leave everything how you found it. So, I think it's yeah, exactly. um, it's so hard to comprehend because um over here there's there's too much of a sense of ownership and mine, mine, yeah. that's mine, and. And when you no, think about <laughs> how ridiculous that is, the the land, the the planet belongs to all of us. I think that yeah. that those rules that you've got, you guys have over there, is a is a is a pretty good exercise. I think it's a almost a case study for the rest of the world to say, hey, look, you can do this and you can share it. And if you're somebody no. fortunate to have a lot of land, and then somebody's doesn't have any land they can still experience the the wilderness yeah exactly and obviously there's still a shared responsibility in it which people in scotland obviously don't always do there's still people that litter and yeah uh, burn places down and shit oh, like yeah. that but, oh, no uh, doubt. yeah it's the same that's here. just <laughs> yeah that's... it's just the, the small people that ruin it for everyone else because there's a there, i say that there is actually an area in scotland where you can't there's a around Loch Lomond. Yep. So Loch Lomond is like the closest uh, nice nature area to Glasgow, which is the biggest city. Yep. And after like a, just like a few nice summer days, then the main kind of easy camping areas are completely trashed. Um, yeah. So now, now those, uh, you're, you're not allowed to camp without a permit. So that's the only place in Scotland that doesn't have the right to roam law. And it's right. because people were people did not the wrong respecting thing. it. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, ruined it for everyone else. Yeah, that's always the way. There's mm. um, yeah, there's a few. I've seen a few videos on um, YouTube of um, people turning up to their favourite spots in the woods, and uh, it was either UK or Ireland. And uh, yeah, it was just trash. And they actually spent the first hour, all of them were just cleaning up everyone else's rubbish yeah. before they actually um, set up their campsite. It's a pretty special system you got there, though, man. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I admire it. Yeah, yeah, no, something but, like you don't like. You just grow up, uh, kind of, just uh, you know. Yeah. It's just the way it is, and yeah. then you go to other countries. <laughs> I mean, I've I've been to plenty of countries where I still, still camp and and move around you just have to be way more stealthy <laughs> <laughs> you have to wear those little leather shoes that you made <laughs> oh can we um i've been i've been such a good boy and not gone there yet but can now can we talk about archery please <laughs> um obviously i'm a big fan i'm actually off to the to the range tomorrow morning um nice yeah my local range has got a uh, it's school holidays over here, and they're offering um, this free three-hour little um, course so for for kids. So I'm taking my ten-year-old along, and um, oh, cool. he's already proficient um, with a bow. No. But it'll be just nice. What, for what him. sort of bows are you shooting? Like, um, well, I, sh I shoot fiberglass recurves, or no, I shoot compounds? a um, I shoot a compound. But uh, I've been teaching them with a fiberglass recurve. Um, so yeah. I think tomorrow will be just fiberglass recurves for them. Um, yes. but yeah, it's really good. So, um, yeah, obviously I got a bit of an interest in it, but I noticed that, um, not only did you build your own longbow in one of the videos, but you actually mentioned that that was your second longbow. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, so I, I was obsessed with bows and arrows and all, uh, primitive weapons when i was a kid what, so i made tons isn't? of um <laughs> sorry what kid isn't <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> uh so i made tons of um your like you know basic survival bows that would last a few months but eventually break yep um but i think i made one other so when i was trying to get serious into it but i was still a teenager so like quite short attention span then yeah. i bought bought that book the the boyer's bible right. um and i built one from ash it wasn't very good and it did eventually break so so that ubo was i say it's like it's the second one that i was following a sort of guide from that book but it was probably it was my first one that I actually because now i'm older and i've got more yeah, patience than when i did into it yeah <laughs> put some time and effort and i was very careful with it so yeah and that way it was my first no, it was good. I liked it. It looked like it um it had a pretty decent amount of poundage as well when you were shooting. Yeah, it. man. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't measured it properly, but it's probably around like it's between like 60 or 70 pounds. Is that right? Weight. That's what my and, uh, uh, my compound is 65. I have it wound down. Oh, really? Yeah, so I you know, when I saw those arrows go, I thought that's packing some speed for sure really cool yeah no it, it turned out well i'm still a bit like because obviously the the stave of you i started with wasn't ideal yep um so there's still there was a couple of cracks 
appearing that I've put reinforcements around and stuff. And every time I shoot it, I'm almost a wee bit scared. <laughs> it's going to break. Oh, that, that hemp string did eventually break after a few hundred shots. So I need to make another one. But Yeah. Um, no, it's but good. yeah, the, making a, a bow from scratch is just one of the most satisfying things. When I mean, you can just get like a bunch of sticks and string and make like a really effective weapon. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I see the time that you put into your, to your arrows as well it's oh, uh, uh, yeah 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 it's admirable <laughs> i feel so cheap when i go and buy um <laughs> you know, like 12 carbon arrows now <laughs> uh no yeah. I, th- I think it's it's uh again like i was saying before it's it's interesting that you can have this uh youtube channel and and essentially cover so much uh you know such a broad amount of topics but at the same time they're all kind of interweaved they're all interrelated um yeah well that's what i'm hoping to do because i i do have such a a wide interest of things and i don't want to be like shoeboxed or i'm like refuse to have labels or anything stuck on it i just kind of want to do whatever i want to do but then underlying it like the 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 more serious video i had that's kind of like the underlying uh the motive of what like keeps me going what keeps me making videos is that but then an individual video might be just like oh because you know i want to do it or that's fun or you know i read this in a history book and it sounded interesting let's try it out kind of thing yeah Um, but in that way i think it's kind of interesting but it's almost like uh the viewers able to follow you on what you might get up to uh when you've got some spare time on the weekend all right let's let's build Mm. this thing and I think that's um, right. yeah, it's good, mate. It's good stuff. Thanks, man. Now the um, when you made that thumb release out of a piece right. of bone that you found on the ground, mm-hmm. uh, what yep. I found really interesting about that is was that was a Eastern technique, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was one I hadn't really been aware of until um, yeah, like a few weeks prior to yeah. me making that video. Well. Did you yeah. always were you aware of that um, the way that you were holding the arrows as well? Is that something new to you? Because I found that quite fascinating. I I've always just because a lot of the things I I self taught myself as a kid to just like trying it out. Yeah. So I remember with archery specifically, I I was shooting my homemade bows and and one bow that my parents bought me. Um, like for years without getting any lessons. So I was naturally shooting uh, the arrows on the, the right side of the bow. Yeah, um, I used to do so, that. So the kid. opposite. Yeah, yeah I had exactly. No idea. That just seemed to be, yeah, the most sort of intuitive. Yep. And I was getting quite accurate at that. And then I went for like a birthday present uh, for a birthday party. My mom got, um, we went and did some archery. And yeah, the guy taught me to do the other side. and shoot that side and like oh you know i felt a bit shamed like oh i've been doing it wrong all this time and i remember going back and having to like re relearn to shoot on the left side uh and then yeah when i get older and i realize that wait wait like the mongols are probably like the best archers of all time they were shooting on the right side (laughs) (laughs) you know all these eastern traditions the japanese the chinese they all shoot on the on the right side and the other thing is that uh as a kid i i had no idea about um you know like that now if i'm shooting a recurve i'll have the i'll have one finger above two below the the, yeah uh, 
But as a yeah. kid, I just used to grab the arrow, pinch yeah, it. Yeah, me too. And though. pull it back yeah, with yeah. the string. And and in hindsight, I'd wonder why sometimes I couldn't hold it back for very long or it'd slip out of my fingers yeah. and stuff. Um, so it's funny what you yeah. just instinctively kind of, you see a split second on some um, cowboy and Indian movie and then you then you you run yeah. out in the backyard and try and exactly replicate. yeah like, right i got it you try it <laughs> and my my really early arrows i didn't even have knocks on them so it was just like <laughs> balanced on them so you would pinch it and also pinch the string so that the arrow didn't <laughs> slip off if that makes sense we used to do knocks obviously they were very weak bows they were very weak bows, yeah but, yeah um we didn't yeah, do feathers funny, though like, yeah you're, you're putting feathers uh, on your own aren't you yeah, and the early ones, it was just sellotape and a couple of feathers, like sellotaped on. <laughs> yeah, um, we didn't even bother with the feathers. It's pretty, pretty yeah. bad. <laughs> uh, up to ten meters, you're pretty accurate, but beyond that, she'd uh, fly yeah. around a bit. Yeah, they fly all over the place. Sorry, Craig, we're just bloody leaving you over there, <laughs> having a chat. Half the viewers have tuned out in the archery. <laughs> Keep <chat>. going. Keep <laughs> going. <laughs> no, look, it comes back to. Um, getting your hands dirty i think and um doing things with your hands and i think there's a certain i mean if you want to go back to our earlier conversation about meditation i'd think you know i I restore a lot of axes i'll get really old axe heads and um clean them up and then either get new handles for them or or find timber to use and um Mm. there's something about this sort of yeah this sort of working with your hands is actually like some people believe that you know people don't really know what's going to happen with this generation that's grown up with smartphones and and ipads Mm. that's literally as soon as they're out the womb it's just like you you've got this uh, screen in front of you and it's like as soon as the child is causing any problems and it's just like a screen in front of them and they're just the their whole reality is through swiping and and touching a screen so we don't really know what happens what happens if no you're right we're in that people aren't exposed to that kind of yeah because it's a very it's much more complex um like uh motor skills of like you know carving or uh as you said like restoring an axe head or whatever it it is like making something with your hands out of solid material yeah it requires much more senses and much more motor skill than it does to press a screen it it also so like, yeah it also requires you to absolutely shut out anything else like i can't be filing or you know um carving or anything and be thinking about the um horrible day i had at work the day before yeah exactly it's yeah, just yeah. absolutely but impossible again, yeah so it is a sort of a meditation if if it's a bringing attention like full attention to the moment you know it's yeah, 100%. So and it's, it's very, um, what's the word for it? Tactile. Um, in uh, yeah. When you're touching, um, you know, timber and when you're working with timber and when you're applying that linseed oil at the end and, and <laughs> seeing that, <laughs> yeah, it is, and seeing that color yeah. pop and then feeling that smoothness. And for the next sort of day, even though you've washed your hands, they still smell like linseed oil and you kind yeah. of get some. <laughs> Every time you, you yeah, put so your, there's much more senses being involved oh, than on a screen, and yeah. it, it lingers longer as well, you know. And then when I yeah. the next time I walk in and see that the axe that I restored, 
I'm, um, you know, I, I get all those feelings come back because it's something yeah. that I put some, um, you know, some sweat into. Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, that sounds true. You guys, <laughs> both of you, <laughs> have such talent. <laughs> Putting me to shame here. No, I, I really, yeah, I can't believe how how um, how much you use your hands for you know crafting some stuff out in the bush. That's incredible, the bushcraft that you do. What's um? Thanks. Tell us about the Dirk. Your um, is that a relatively no, I... new thing as well? Did I see you're starting to kind of investigate slash trial the combat as well ah uh, yeah so um oh as in relatively new as in uh, uh for, for the channel i guess for the channel yeah so i mean um again it was just stumbling across things that i could that i could explore in the in the context of bushcraft wilderness living skills and things yeah. and with the yeah and then it was just sort of you stumble across this. I always knew that the Dirk was a famous Scottish knife, but then it sort of, it was more than that. It was an everyday tool. It was big part of the uh, warrior honor. All oaths and stuff were sworn upon a Dirk. Right. right. Um, uh, so, and then of course, because it was almost every man would have one, like not everyone could afford a sword, but everyone would have been cutting about with a, with a Dirk on their belt. Then it, it became there would have been lots of martial arts attached to that. Yep. Um, and unfortunately, like most of that has sort of been lost. Um, the the German guy Heiko has been helping me out, and and all my videos that's got martial arts stuff. He's now um, trying to rekindle some the past kind of uh, Dirk martial arts that he's piecing together. Lots of things. Um, so the the Highlander survival course that I taught a couple of weeks ago, we uh, we got everyone to um, to carve a training dirk. Just everyone's out in the woods, so oh, cut the branch and yeah, right. Carve a, a training dirk, and then we just went through some basic uh, basic martial arts with it. So just for listeners, a dirk, it's kind of like a it's a double edged dagger, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's mostly mostly single edged. The the tip would have been double edged. Okay, and. Um, it's about the blade, about thirty to forty centimeters long. Yep. Um, right track. Mainly a, a stabbing weapon evolved from the medieval bollock dagger. Right. Um, aye. It does. Um, I'm not gonna lie. It does sound to me like you've just tried to research all cool shit that you'd just like to run around and play with. And <laughs> Pretty make, much. And no, it's funny. Like, I've literally <laughs> still the the kid that's just yeah, still just... playing the bows and arrows and stuff. I'm just trying to justify it by saying like, oh no, 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 I'm at, oh, this no, is my career now. Research, <laughs> research <laughs> mate. You've got to research stuff. Uh, yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, we were um, we were watching uh, a clip just before we we came on air, and it was. Um, uh, the one where you took a hammock into the, well, you know, I guess into the snow. Into the snow. Really. No, I, yeah. And it's just so foreign to us, you know. <laughs> it's not that we don't get snow here. Um, uh, it's just that it's nowhere near us. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And uh, I've experienced snow in Tasmania. I do know it's yeah. snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's good down there. Um, but uh, I kind of... Um, I just wondered what sort of a, 
a mindset. It's you, you must have some different mindset to kind of go out there knowing that. I mean, all of those, uh, as we were talking before about things that can go wrong, you've kind of magnified those, um, mm. all those dangerous elements by moving into, into those into conditions. Um, well, I guess I've usually, you know, I've usually still got a mobile phone on me. Um, just like anything, you, you look at the, the risks, you see what you can do to minimize them. And then the rest is, is part of the, is part of the challenge or the part of the reason why you do it. So yep. then you just do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get it. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's pretty foreign to us. Um, like that, like I said last week, I was sitting there in a in a t shirt at eight, yeah. o'clock, eight o'clock at night cooking my sausages. <laughs> but, oh, um, nice. So, you, um, I noticed that you have, and as you were saying, you've been to Tasmania before. Uh, what were your impressions of Australia? Did you enjoy it out here? Yeah, I loved it. Did you see my my hitchhiking one in Australia? Uh no. I got a video, a hitchhike from Melbourne up to Sunshine Coast. Really? That's the only one I, Uh, yeah, that's one of the ones I haven't seen. When was that? I watched the Tasmania one. Uh, Two years ago, 2016. Jeez. Now, you also, um, correct me if I'm wrong, that river you canoed up, was that the um, Noosa Everglades? Yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. there's a a video on that. So, I've got two, (laughs) actually two series so four videos um just on the everglades that uh i did a solo trip i did the solo trip first didn't i craig or did i do it with you guys first that's a good question i can't remember i've done it i think you did three times i think i might have done the solo first i can't remember and then um but then we went with yeah we took another guy so three of us went into uh, in a canoe and a kayak and then the last time i went again with my father and took him up through there for four days but uh that's nice. a you know for me as an australian and i used to live at noosa for 10 years that is still an extremely beautiful extremely special place so i i can't imagine how uh it must have been to your eyes yeah no i was just i was, i loved australia i was blown away by it a lot of it and uh the hitchhiking was amazing obviously most people would come and warn me and tell me about ivan malak and all these other horrible <laughs> stories and stuff like that i hitchhiked through that area actually that ivan malak was active in what in wolf um, creek or whatever oh no, no. no he wasn't uh, wolf creek he was um yeah he wasn't wolf creek but the another the langalo state forest langalo state guy. forest yeah that's right yeah yeah, yeah. we got a few of them yeah it's hard to keep track <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i was fine and uh yeah i love tasmania i was uh, unfortunately the time of year i was there it was just a bit too much like scotland it was just raining and yeah <laughs> snow and stuff like that what but time of year was that, was that? The best. um the first, uh, I went twice. First time, September, October, and that's when it was snowing. Yep. And then I did go back when it was a wee bit warmer. Um, but I love Sunshine Coast. I was, I've got one of my best friends. Is uh, He's up at University of Sunshine Coast. Oh, yeah. I know that place. Yeah. Um, so I went and stayed with him a few times. And uh, he was a, my friend who was on that um, in the, adventure in the, on, the Yeah, on the kayak. Yep. 
Hey. Um, Captain Cam. So yeah, I love that. Love that area. Captain Cam Cam. Eh? Captain Cam Cam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's uh, spectacular up there. Um, uh, really gives you kind of an insight into, uh, especially once you get even an hour up that river, you get an insight into how the indigenous people might have um, travelled across that land and how much of an oasis that that river would have been to them. Just to have yeah, that, totally. that running water and there's so many fish and everything. Unfortunately, yeah. a few too many sharks as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... I had a laugh at your video because um, at one point you said, oh, yeah, um, further back in the river there was um, shark, you know, bull sharks. Bull sharks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of laughed to myself and thought, um, <laughs> you know that they um, can actually switch to to fresh water. Oh, um, really? <laughs> yeah, so they actually have been found. They'll be like, further up. Way, way, way up that river. <laughs> All right. I didn't know it. <laughs> yes. I figured by the video that you might not have realized that. <laughs> yeah, they're one, I think they're one of the only, um, well, possibly the only shark, um, uh, but I'm sure there's not many fish like it, that, yeah, they can actually adapt um, and they spend a bit of time and they just gradually move up through the river system right. to less and less salt. Um, so yeah, they get quite, quite far up in that. <laughs> and, um, I have swam in there myself, Craig and I swam in there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's beautiful that, um, yeah. the water for anyone who doesn't know, it gets so much, um, from all the tea tree, um, plants, oh, yeah. it gets so many totally tannins brown. that it, it gets brown, yeah. but at the same time, um, when you hop out of that water, it makes your skin and hair feel awesome. Like it's real. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah. pretty special up there. So, uh, yeah, place. any more, um, any plans to get back over here, mate? Um, not, not anytime soon. Um, but still, uh, it's, you know, it's a big place. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot uh, to do over here. And, uh, so, yeah. now that you know us. What about you guys? Are you ever thinking about coming to Scotland? I've been there once and um, yeah. as a teenager on a family holiday and we drove through um, all of that area. I've been to Loch Lomond that you mentioned earlier. Uh, all of that area yeah. in, in a camper van and stayed um, a week or something through that area and it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, it was beautiful. That nice. that was, um, as you say, it was very Tasmania-like. Um, uh, yeah, very yeah. rich and green, and lots of mist and fog and mountains and <laughs> yeah, really, really beautiful place. I'd um, I'd love to think that I could get back there and not just be a tourist, but actually get into those mountains and do some pro yeah. proper exploring. Yeah, well, Tom, I just found yeah, out. Man. I just found out that on my father's side, his, his grandfather was born in Scotland, actually. So, all right, nice. He came to Australia. Follow from, some ancestral trails. Yeah, yeah. No, he came to Australia from Scotland, so that was pretty cool to find that out recently. I might have to, yeah, get over there and have a little look around. You I might. Think. You might need someone to come with you, Craig. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, give us a shout if you ever make it over. Oh, mate, we'll be uh, hitting you up for sure. Then we'll some touring. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good, mate. Hey, uh, it's it's been an absolute pleasure having you on for a chat. I really appreciate your time. 
Um, and I know no, that, no worries. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I know that everyone listening um, is really going to appreciate uh, all your all of your insights, and I know they're going to appreciate your videos as well. <laughs> <laughs> so um, all I can say is, um, yeah, it's it's just nice to see other people on the other side of the world um, moving around with that much respect for the wilderness and that much respect for history and ancestry and all of that sort of things and kind of piecing it together in a extremely enjoyable and educational way mate you you're um kicking goals over there and keep doing it please for all of us Mm. thanks mate no thanks i appreciate it no worries buddy thanks for coming on mate keep up the good work i really yeah get inspired watching you out there and you do have a, a a very unique approach to the to the wild but i'm sure that you know we can all get something from watching you do it that's great yeah cool couldn't have said well, it thanks better. buddy thanks for thanks for having me on no worries mate um as soon as i saw that first video i said to craig you gotta check this guy out <laughs> it looks like a good bloke <laughs> he'd be fun he'd be fun to have a chat to <laughs> totally <laughs> uh, and i wasn't far off at all so thanks again tom nice. appreciate your time mate go um, cool. enjoy the rest of your day and uh really wish you all the best for um getting through that uh assessment you got coming up mate let cool. us, let us Thanks, know mate. how it goes. Keep in touch. We'll talk soon. Yeah, we'll do, man. Let me know if you if you make it this this side of the, uh, the equator. Of the ditch. <laughs> I'll give you plenty of warning. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. All cool. right, mate. Take care of yourself, eh? Okay, mate. Have a good day. Thanks, mate. Bye. See you later. Bye. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, we'd really appreciate your ratings and comments if you can spare the time. If you'd like to know more about Hike or Die TV and keep track of our adventures around Australia, make sure you drop by hikeordie.com. That's where you'll find all the information you'll need to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or Pinterest. As always, we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening.